Welcome to another non-suspicious episode of Serious Disney. Marvel at our discussion of Raya and the Last Dragon, a then new, then much talked about, now not apparently talked about anymore, Disney animated film from the beginning of 2021, when lockdown was still ongoing and vaccines still emerging and Disney Plus released their latest film at a premium price. Was paying it a sensible choice? Find out in this remote-streamed episode that's been in the Disney's vault ever since. Why is it peeping out now? No reason, and it certainly isn't the stealth first part of a trilogy of thematically related episodes concerning something of a dark cloud that seems to have gathered above Disney Plus as a whole. It isn't that! That would imply you've got rather a lot of Disney's ahead of you to listen to and nobody wants to be burdened with that, do they? So stay tuned without thinking too hard about it. We'll do that, we're here to think far too hard about all of it. Context-wise, this came out before Encanto, when we didn't even know what Encanto was, and so if you were to do a chronological listen-through, you'd listen to this episode before the Encanto one, which you already haven't, so just chill about it. It also predates Aquafina's MCU debut, so don't be surprised when we mention that. And yes, we are going to make a comparison between this film and another cartoon property, the comparing of which caused cancellation troubles for at least one other commentator at the time, but it was fairly clear what she actually said about Raya and the Last Dragon had little to do with it, so we're not going to be worried about that. Nor had it happened yet. Plus, we return to a very serious topic that's going to re-emerge in our next episode about Strange World, and possibly lots of episodes going forward, about something that's been bugging Jahan because he needs to say it, but you shouldn't really say it. That's right, it's the double cancellation episode of Serious Disney, and it's about a film called Raya and the Last Dragon. Remember that? You could watch it today if you wanted. It's still there. Yeah, hi, so uh, we are here, we are live. This is an episode of Serious Disney, the podcast in which we too talk about uh, animated things, in particular Disney things, and usually those remakes that they're making, but they've gone and released, they've gone and been and gone and released a new animated film, and, and obviously we have to respond to that. We just have to, so that's we what we cannot let such an act go unanswered. No. <laughs> and so that is what we're here to do. Hello to you, Jahan. Hi. Hello. It's me, Jahan. You may recognize me from literally just this show, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, like, maybe my Twitter, which you will have found via this show. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. Yes, I, I concur with everything Dave just said. We're here. We're <laughs> here to record and that talk about the... Disney's latest... I was going to say the number of the film, but I can't remember them anymore. No, don't know. It, once, we, once we got past 50... Any hope of yeah, continuing to count them out the window? Don't that, know. Because Tangled was fifty, right? I think so. Yeah. And I think of Tangled as being like, oh yeah, that was about three films ago. It definitely wasn't about three films. No, it ago. was loads of films ago, wasn't it? It was loads. It was yes. And when I so, describe the, the 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 current situation, like when I when I talk about what Disney animated films are like now, I still kind of mean Tangled, and I'm wrong to mean that. I know. Yeah, that was. Like, uh, an estimate, a million years ago now. At least a million, yeah. And and I think it yeah. was, in fact, ten or something. Like, it was ages ago. Yeah, it's like eleven. Or, yeah, yeah, eleven, counting this as a full year since 2020, which is cheating, but whatever. Time marches on inexorably and yeah. we'll all die. So on that note... Disney! Uh, Disney magic! Dis when you wish! <laughs> 
<laughs> so yes, here we are to yes, as we as we have been doing, we we generally seem to like to touch base and talk about the latest Disney films that are coming out because yes. we want to be part of informing people, which is something that I feel like there is, that Disney do actually still make new films, in addition to all of those remakes and sequels to old things. I think we had a little bit of a complaint about that on our uh, episode that we did about when Disney announced all those things a few months ago, mm. and we were bemoaning the fact that the nature of the news cycle is everyone gets drawn to all the remakes and the sequels and the spin-offs and so forth. And they talk about those so exclusively that it creates this perception that Disney aren't doing new things at all. Mm. And that is double underlined when something comes out from them that is a brand new original movie, like Ryan the Last Dragon, and the general consensus seat from a lot of people seems to be, oh, I didn't know that was out. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it just seems to have snuck out without really anybody noticing it. Um... Mm. And I know that's partly because all the cinemas are closed and it's, you know, doing this, this weird, you know, like, pay extra on Disney Plus thing again. But I, but Mulan did that as well. I, I feel like more people knew that Mulan had come out than... My, my theory for this is that people who aren't us and who aren't obsessed with this sort of thing don't recognize yes. quite as clearly as we do the difference between a Disney animated film and certainly a Pixar animated film, but also include yeah. you can you can include all number of other companies in that. So when a Disney film comes out in this circumstance where they can't really they're, they're not putting it out on the same number of billboards and bus sides as usual, yeah, it does feel a little bit detached from being a proper proper Disney film, like one of the Disney animated canon, so to speak. And yet way. it is one. It is one. It absolutely yeah. is one. It's the latest Disney animated classic. Now, um, just to uh, explain what's happening going forward, this is an episode of a podcast. Uh, to, to anyone listening in the future in the, in the podcast itself, hello. To anyone watching this as a live stream video, hello to you. And we see your chat. We've got our, your chat up on the screen so we can uh, now and then... Uh, address things you say we won't always you know read stuff out as soon as you say it we won't always uh, respond at all because we'll just forget or be involved in a conversation that we're trying to record but <laughs> hello in the meantime we've got a few people on at the moment um hamstreet there apologizes for not having yet unsubscribed from me and has uh, fixed that so okay thanks for that <laughs> hamstreet cool uh, <laughs> so on that note yes let's get stuck into this film disney's whatever film yes um while you talk about it i'll look that up yes yeah it's 59th 59th flipping heck. Was... yeah <laughs> yeah bloody hell <laughs> so yes this is disney's 59th film uh first what was the previous one was it frozen 2 is this the first one since frozen 2 um was there another one in between onward was pixar was it yes I guess it was frozen. It must have been frozen. Okay, it feels like there should have been something in between. Oh, wait, there was a pandemic in between. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, <laughs> yes. That, that whole thing, yeah, okay. That's what yeah. happened. So, and I think the pandemic is relevant to aspects of this film mm. because it's like, did, did you happen to watch, by the way, uh, I, I, you know, you might not have even noticed it was there, but in the extras section on Disney+, Plus, um, mm. 
there was a little featurette showing aspects of how they produced this during the pandemic. I have to say, just watching that just increases my grading of this whole film just a little bit. On right, the yeah. Well, I didn't watch that, but I have watched something, which must have been either on YouTube or Twitter, um, where they did talk a bit about that fact. And there was there was certainly, I remember seeing a guy talking about how he did you know the martial arts consultancy in it and then there was someone else talking about how they recorded from home and things so yes i must yeah. have seen something i just can't remember exactly what it was maybe it was even on yeah. disney plus but i don't think it was it was i mean it's just a little three four minute featurette along those lines but like oh i might have watched it then that might be what i watched it could have been uh but frankly they have done a cracking job mm-hmm finishing this film in the conditions that they finished it in because mm. everyone was just at home yeah like they were all just doing it off their cintiqs at home that's it the, um, the, the right now the animation industry is is based at home and um yep. it, you know some companies more quickly than others it has taken a while to adjust to that but yeah, they did it they you know did like it. they they directed you know they, they directed gave notes and stuff over zoom mm-hmm. call they had all the actors basically set up in their closets to mm. record voice parts yeah um and i tell you what that was the one where i was able to the most like because because animation you can't see where it was made like you can only imagine yeah. oh they must have been under this amount of stress or whatever but with yeah. the voice recordings i know what a i know what a home recording versus a professional studio recording sounds like and i didn't pick up on any problems with the recording at all they must have really sent them their best mics <laughs> yes or they were or kelly marie tran just has a really good cupboard or whatever i think that probably people who've been in star wars films probably have better cupboards than we do i'll i'll, <laughs> I'll say that much but um not the likes of us <laughs> yeah true but if you know like i say across the board it is a fantastic achievement that they've managed to get this film out. I can, and I'm sure will, point out a couple of bits and pieces with the film technically or stylistically oh, yeah. that, that I can nitpick or find fault with. Yeah. But there's no degree to which you watch this and feel like, oh yeah, they they clearly had to like, you know, scribble this piece, th- this bit on like a post-it note and just pass that off as part of the film because they couldn't do it due to the pandemic it's like no this is a disney standard movie yeah it's um, not uh, it's not a food fight is it no no in so many ways it's not a food fight <laughs> um but yeah like so on in that regard it's like i don't think like w- whether you can say there's one clear uh, leader or not at the moment it's in terms of like technical accomplishment for like mainstream American animation, it is like it's Disney and Pixar now. Mm-hmm. Like in terms of quality, you know, there was a time where it seemed like Pixar was sort of far and away above where Disney were at um, with CG animation. But you know, I think we've talked about the fact that that gap has basically been narrowed and then closed over the last decade. And um, uh, yeah, I, d- this, I challenge this... anyone who hasn't really kept a f- laser focus on the process over the last few years to to tell the difference. You know, if they, you know, if, if we, in a world without marketing, to show yeah. someone a Disney film and a Pixar film, they'd never guess which was which. I don't think. 
qualitatively, I would like in terms of animation quality, mm -hmm. I would say so. Stylistically, mm -hmm. I think you can notice. Yeah. And again, that's but that's it, of, that's if you know which is which, though. But yeah. Yeah, that's true. But in terms of actual standard of animation, mm -hmm. like, yeah, they're they're about as good as each other. And sometimes I feel like, oh, Disney are actually the clear leaders again. And this film, despite the conditions it was made in, does not let that down at all. It's like very, very nice looking, it has to be said. Yeah, um, there are some bits. I, I spotted some bits where I was like, mm, then maybe that's not up to the usual standard, but other bits where it was better than I've seen before. Um, yeah. There, oh, there are going to be spoilers in this video yes. for Raya the Last Dragon, which is a brand new film. Um, be aware of that. I, personally, I don't think it's the sort of film that you need to really keep unspoiled from because basically from the opening scene, you've written out the entire plot in your head and you're correct. But... <laughs> um, and we'll discuss that as well. <laughs> but, uh, but we are going to say some spoilers. And so, but, I'll, but when, there's, you know, when, when I can avoid saying something ridiculously spoily, as I'm about to, I will avoid it, such as this. There was a shot of some, some stone. There was a... Towards the end there was a, a shot of some really nicely backlit stone where it was all dramatic looking. Yeah, and I just yeah. thought it looked absolutely incredible. And that, that really was yeah. the standout visual moment for me. Where I'm like, there is no hint that anything was unusual about production of this film there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, I would say the same about just some of the, um, you know, some of the scenery and like the you know, the, the the lush sprawling vistas and so forth. And, you know, just the, the naturalistic quality of the light. Uh, and, you know, I would say that it was like the best I'd ever seen in that regard if I hadn't seen Soul two months ago. And that's about as good, I think, in that regard. Yeah. Personally, I think Soul looks better. Um, and uh, I think, yeah. And, and I mean, I, I'm when I said that, I was mostly talking about the actual animation and movement and so on, which I which had some I had some issues with in this that I didn't have in Soul. Um, yeah. Although, although, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not quite sure exactly what I mean by that. There, it, something about the movement matched the sound a bit better in Soul, I thought, than it did in this film. But maybe, yeah. maybe that's a bit granular. We'll get into that later. But yeah, generally, overall, this was a. It, it, yeah, it didn't look like a lockdown film. So, do you know, like, because the thing is, the same is true of Soul to an extent. There was also a disclaimer at the end of that, and there were also YouTube videos in that talking about how much yeah. of it had to be made at home. Do we know, I'm guessing more of this was made at home than of Soul, but do we know how much? I'm not sure. I, I, would, I certainly wouldn't be able to break it down by percentage or anything yeah. like that. I just, I, you know, but Soul was supposed to have come out earlier. Right. So... I can only assume that it was further along yeah. when they had to shift everything home. Um, but that's kind of all I'm going on. Mm -hmm. But, but you know, like I say, if you didn't already know that this was made in those circumstances, you wouldn't guess. And the, you know, the, the, the few bits and pieces where you look at it and be like, oh, that's maybe not up to the normal standard. You just think, oh, well, that... Yeah, it's just an imperfection. Mm. Sure, like, you know, even their best films have bits and pieces that don't look quite as good. Um, so, in that respect, I would say, yeah, like, well done, hats off to everyone involved on this. Like, it's a real achievement to get this out to this level of just, like, seamless quality in given the current circumstances. Mm. That's technically. Film-wise... 
I think it, I'm more mixed on it. Um, yeah, I thought it was all right. <laughs> yeah, I thought it. I I also thought it was all right. Yeah. Um, there were parts that, it, par, parts where I found myself going, "Oh, this is all right," and parts where I found myself quite profoundly disappointed by it. Um, yeah, I would uh, I would say the same. Like, I, I disappointed sort of the wrong word for me. It's more just like. There were times where I was into it, and there were times mm. where I was drifting off it a mm -hmm, little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and I, yeah, and look in that way, yes, that's disappointing. But it's, I don't know. Like, I suppose my la relative lack of disappointment is just because it's what was on the table here. That what was the great version of this mm. i'm not sure that i could tell you no that well that that's it isn't it that's the the there is a sort of i'm trying to be careful not to say this in a way that sounds i, I think i can sound more dismissive than i really am when i say things like this but like i was often wondering what the point of this film was like there's a lot of a lot of other Disney films, I, I quite quickly tune into what the point of it is. It be that either a message they're trying to get across or a theme or whatever, or just like literally just in the context of it coming out this year and the the pop culture landscape or whatever. I know what the flavor of this thing is and therefore why I'm, what they're aiming for. You know what they're, what, what they're trying to achieve by this film, or yeah. ju or just frankly, or just what it means to me arbitrarily. You know, there's there's you know yeah. one of those sorts of things with this. I felt quite often, these are the points where I was disappointed, I felt quite often that they were only making this film because they'd started. So they, yeah. so it, it was still happening. So I guess now we've got to have this story beat, and now I guess we've got to do this. There was a, it, I, got, I had that feeling quite a few times, where it's like, well, we're here, so we better do the rest of the film. Yeah. Sort of thing. A bit like, there were certain bits that felt like what happened when you, you know, when you ad-lib a story. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like we're making this film because we're disney and i guess we make films mm. and sometimes we're really we really have a file under us uh, yeah. to like make something with a real purpose and sometimes we make a film because we make films i think that, I, I suspect that one of the things that happens in lockdown is you don't get to black friday a film and i and maybe, in, in places this felt like a first go at something that that would yeah. have then been rejuggled re around and uh, made into something a bit tighter or a lot maybe tighter. to the maybe to the um less animation nerd initiated oh yes sorry wait what you mean by black friday black friday you don't, mean, you don't mean the sales event i don't mean the sales event i mean the day and i think it was was it toy story one it originated with or was it that one I thought, or, or Toy Story Two. I think it was a Toy Story, but I'm not. Do you know what? I'm not entirely sure. But it's a thing that I'm fairly sure came out of Pixar early on, and it's yeah. where. But although it also, you know, it, it's happened to other films. It happened to Beauty and the Beast, where yeah. they basically make most of a treatment of a film. They're quite far through, and then someone goes, "Excuse me, this is rubbish," <laughs> and they go, "Oh, it yeah. is." And they're like, wait, so, okay, which bit do you think is bad? And they're like, kind of all of it. Yeah. Oh, no. And they realize they're basically going to have to start again. And then what happens is 
that's the fire lit under them and they all very quickly more or less make the film from scratch and it's better and that happened to so many different things yeah. it happened to um zootopia and it happened to yep. ratatouille and it happened to beauty and the beast and emperor's new groove yeah oh there you go there's a famous one yeah, yeah. Um, and it just keep, it keeps happening, and it's a thing, and it's you can expect it to happen because, like, frankly, it, it's sort of something that ought to happen when you've been mm. when you start off by going like, "What if we try a film kind of about this?" And everyone's ideas are, "What if kind of this?" You don't want to be left with a, a, just a collection of that. You want someone to go, "Okay, here's what we've got. Here's what we've come up with. We've now kind of got the direction that we want. We're now all starting to feel." a film how about we push it all aside and come up with that film from the ground up based on all the stuff we've learned and they'll and they'll build that and it's kind of the the distilled nugget of what they wanted to make which you know everyone does novelists do this with second drafts sometimes and things like this um parts of this made me feel like it was maybe someone shouted what if this and it was you know still in it because there are some ideas in it that i thought were a bit the first thing you think of like we're making mm. a film about Asia. Okay, who's watched Avatar? Yeah, you yeah, know? <laughs> yeah. Like, because I thought I had assumed that this film had undergone that process mm. because of when it was like last looking into it here. It was last August when they announced that like they'd Hello. recast. Oh, I've got wait, a sneaking we... in wife. <laughs> oh. And she's brought after eights. <laughs> oh. Can I have one? No. Mash it against the camera. Uh no. <laughs> Cause that will that will not convenience you and it will inconvenience the viewers <laughs> at home. Well, that's what I'm trying to achieve. If mm. I can't have her after eight, then I want everyone to suffer. <laughs> that, that's the issue here. <sighs> Thank anyway, you. <laughs> You've ruined the podcast. Um, <laughs> what was I going to say? Yeah, no. So last August was when they announced that they'd recast the lead of the film. Oh, um, really? Who was it going to be? It was going to be an actor who I don't know no. called Catty Steele. Um, who, cool name, though. Yes. Yeah, it is a cool name, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so she's doing fine. Don't worry about her. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like... You know, they, they, she had been the one who was, uh, who had, you know, it had been announced when the film was announced that, like, yes, it will be this film, Raya and the Last Dragon. It will star Cassie Steele as Raya and Aquafina as the Last Dragon. Right. And that had been the case for a long time. And then, yeah, last August, which was, I assume, when they had rejigged the release date and stuff like that, you know, they, yeah, they said, nope, well, she, you know, she's out. Kelly Marie Tran's in because of creative shifts in the character and story. Okay. They said. So when that happened, I assumed, oh, okay, they must have really shifted gears on this film. And I mean, it sounds like they had shifted gears in this film, but like in a way that didn't. Well, let me read it. Uh, on the eve of the film's release in March 2021, Don Hall, the director, revealed the reason why they had done it. Raya was originally a stoic loner, but then the team began to infuse her with elements of levity and swagger, similar to the character of Star-Lord in Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm. Tran was selected for her lightness and buoyancy, but also badassery. So, sure. basically, it sounds like they lightened the tone of 
uh, the character. Uh, so I can definitely see that that's happened. Um, and I can honestly, to some extent, see that that may have happened relatively late. Uh, but that doesn't, to me, sound like your big, oh, actually, the whole premise of our film is broken kind of no. shift that you get with some of the other productions. I mean, it, it may have right. been. It was only me speculating that they hadn't had one of those because it yeah. just kind of feels like they hadn't to me. It it does. It mm. felt to me like it, 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 it they hadn't either. And, I, yeah, I suppose let's drill down in, a little bit into why that's the case. Okay. One, one of the issues, I think, is... Uh, you touched on it there when you were like, yeah, have have you seen Avatar? Because mm. they they all have, and we all have. Yeah. And it sure shows. Mm. And it's... The setting is... It's cool, but it is very derivative. So I don't know how many ways there are, because I don't know enough about any kind of Asian culture outside of things that have been presented to me in things like this. You know, I haven't been there. So sure. So I do know Avatar The Last Airbender much better than I know the actual regions that it's based in. So it could yeah. be, for all I know, that any cartoon interpretation of those sorts of places is going to look similar. I don't know. But this one, it almost felt like it was a... Kimber to Lion King situation where it was it, they seem to have started on the same page so you have here are you know in the opening narrative here are how many kingdoms there are and this is the war that they had and why um and now we have to go everything fine until the x nation attacked yeah pretty yeah i mean it is and yeah. and also uh, throughout the film they keep using as a map the dvd inlay you know the little sheet of paper that came with the dvd box sets um, that had yeah. a map on the back. They were yeah. using that in this film as a map. That was weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, it's um, it just felt incredibly derivative, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, like, and I feel like you can start from the same point mm -hmm. and end up somewhere different. Mm -hmm. I don't think they did end up somewhere different enough. Well, really? the problem is that they'll think they did because the somewhere they ended up is all the stuff with people and dragons and bits of crystal and so on, which isn't from Avatar. But no. the thing about the thing about Avatar that one of the one of the really strong things in it was that there was always this sense of place, and it did always show you this. You felt like you're in a really big place made out of these multiple yeah. kingdoms, and this film doesn't really address that. It just goes like, we've got these multiple places. Yeah, but they're only ever used as small set piece locations. So you're always yeah. wondering what else is going on in these lands. And I personally was thinking about that more than I was thinking about what was going on with the people actually on the screen <laughs> some of the time. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I agree. And the 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 world of this is not that well fleshed out, but mm. also very over explained yeah, at the yeah. same time. Almost like they realise that the the world building isn't quite there, so they just have to throw lore at you. Like, yeah. I have talked about this before. I don't know if I've talked about it on this podcast or if I just wrote about it, mm -hmm. but generally speaking, a sense of distinct place and location is not a historic strength of, of Walt Disney Animation Studios movies. Yeah. Like, it's, it's just not really how they make films. Uh, going all the way back to the beginning, like, none of 
none of the worlds of Disney films feel like real worlds. They feel like just the settings for whatever story is taking place in them. I can't think of, with one glaring exception, I, or, or maybe, okay, maybe one or two glaring exceptions. I can't think of Disney films where anyone is saying, oh boy, I'd sure like to live there in the same way that you'd like to live in, you know, maybe parts of Star Wars or, mm. you know, like Wakanda or whatever. Like, it's... Disney don't make films like that. They don't build real places. And they've only recently gained the ability to do it. I think Zootopia is the first time they did that. Mm. Because one of the tremendous strengths of Zootopia, beyond just the sort of the fanciful concept behind it, which is great anyway, is that it makes it feel like a distinctly fleshed out place. Like, with it, when watching Zootopia, I feel like I can get a sense of the city. I feel like I can get a sense of like, yeah, this is a real place where loads and loads of stuff is going on. Like, I can imagine loads of people people living their lives in this city and like all the kind of, you know, you, you get a sense of how the, the, the social strata works, what all the different regions are, are, are kind of genuinely like, what it'd be like to go from one place to another. And I thought when they made Zootopia, oh, wow, like Disney have kind of really broken their duck here. They've, they've done this for the first time, and hopefully this can be a strength of theirs kind of going forward. And I don't really feel like subsequent films have achieved that. And, you know, and look, again, admittedly, oh, mostly because they've not really attempted to achieve that. You know, like yeah. the Moana isn't trying to... It is not try beyond like a an ambiance. It's not trying to make you feel like it's a living, breathing place you could go to. It's yeah. like no, it's some ocean and some islands, and we'll go to whatever location we need to be at. And that's true. Um, that's true. Even going back, you know, to the days of the films that I've connected with the most in my mind. I will go to bat for Agrabah. I think that's quite a. Uh, I'd like to walk through a three D model of it and be like, cool, that's happening over there. But it's the only one, like even when they make a, a film with a good sense of place, like The Lion King. I don't know where anyone lives yeah. in the Pride Lands, apart from yeah. in that little cave up Pride Rock or wherever it is that they live. Um, yeah. That's it. I don't know where anyone else is living. The Little Mermaid, yeah, you see one building, but I don't know where they live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah with Zootopia, you, you, you get a total handle on how you live there and what life is like. And the fact that you have to, you know, she has to rent that room and stuff, it makes it yeah. feel real. Exactly. And um, I think, I think you know, like for, for you know, it's, it's not as they're not as strong or solid a set of films. But like, I think, you know, the Wreck-It Ralph movies, for mm. example, create a certain compelling alternative reality that you can get your teeth into a little bit. Yeah. But like, this is the first film really properly since Zootopia, where... I really feel like it was important to create a sense of place. Yeah. To create a sense that, like... Because ultimately, the stakes of this story are more than personal. Yeah. Uh, which is un kind of unusual for a Disney movie. Um, normally, if there's, if there's a sense that we need to save the world, it's like, yeah, we need to save the world because these characters we like exist in that world. Mm. Um, and... You know, even even in, say, Frozen 2, for example, that was a film where they're kind of... 
they're making gestures towards social structures that, that exist within that world and a need to repair social structures within that world and like reform aspects of that society but it's not really about the society mm. of the world it's about like those <clears throat> characters reckoning with their own family history and the legacy of their past and who that means that they are as characters whereas like so it doesn't matter so as much in frozen 2 even that like you know, you don't get any sense of what Arundel is, do you? Mm. It's like, it's a castle and it's a town. I don't know if there is anything more to Arundel than that. No, it's wherever it, the people who come to look at the castle are from, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, whereas in this film, the stakes are very much, no, we need to save this world. We need to bring together the peoples of this kingdom. Like, it's not just about Raya saving her dad and it's not just about you know this person or that person overcoming their own personal uh setbacks that they've yeah. had as a result of these disasters it's like we need to heal the world of uh, uh kumandra like mm. that's the important thing and given that mm. i don't care about kumandra i don't really know what it is no <laughs> other than uh, and, and, series of locals. and i think the reason for that is that we only ever see, like the only people we ever see are either the leader of a land, yeah, or someone who's going to become a member of the main party. So, like, anytime yeah. you you do bump into a person who feels like they live in the place, it's because they're about to join the team, and they're about to join the team for no real great reason other than the fact that we've just met them, and here they yeah. are now. Um, yeah. Yeah, and their alter their choices are to just carry on living in this place that's populated entirely by NPCs and the one ruler who's probably horrible, mm. or just join the only characters who it feels like actually exist in this world. Yes, and and, and they had another problem with with population scale in general. I thought, like, um, yeah. I I didn't. I'll, I'll hold my hands up. I've seen other people mention this more than I noticed it, which is that whenever they to tell you that here's the army of this particular land. It's like 15 people who all fit on screen at one time and, and yeah. single file. But what I did notice is that, like, and, and I said, there'll be spoilers, here comes one. At the end, you see everyone from, like, all the different kingdoms coming in, and it's meant to be like, here they are, the people of Commandra. And there's, there, you, you could fit them in an Asda. There's not many of them. <laughs> to have been everyone or were they just like the entourages and military escorts of the leaders probably but well i don't know if they were i don't know if they were like that high up i think some of them they i think they seemed like people but it's you you're probably yeah. right but the fact that they were being introduced as the world and it just sort of put a little button on the fact that we haven't seen many people yet and like yeah, yeah. where is everyone where is everyone yeah. in this why, know, do they yeah. all, why do they all live in these very small places? Whenever it's like the the five kingdoms, and then you look at you, they show it you, and it's like the boss kingdom is this island, just this little place, and, yeah. And that's the main one. That's like the featured other land, uh, yeah, with characters in it, other than the one that Raya comes that Raya comes from, and then the rest. I never, I never got a sense of size. I never got, I never felt like it was very big, and yet I did get no. the sense that they'd created too many of them because they'd yes. sort of 
set her off on a quest to visit all of them and collect the gems. Now, we, it, clearly that wasn't what was going to happen. It wasn't going to be literally she traverses every land and collects a magic gem at the end of it. But that was what they set, said at the start it was going to be. That was kind of what the premise was. So it was strange that I, we never really got to see any of those wonderful places, you know? Really. We saw bits of them sometimes, but... And frankly, the bits that we saw of them to touch on the other point you raised, they're not that distinct, hmm. really, beyond, oh, they're, they're Asian. You know, they're Asian-inspired. Hmm. And, you know, so we've got, like, this place is, you know, it, it's a market, mostly. This place is a snowy village, like in Mulan or whatever. <laughs> and then, you know, this place is, yeah, sort of like a, more of a kind of like a waterfront kind of river sort of area. And it's like, I feel because what something that you mentioned there is like you're not necessarily that familiar with like the different Asian mm. culture they no, could potentially dip into. My mom is Malaysian, so I yes, I know more. Yes. <laughs> I know more about that. Um like I you know, like and frankly, it it was a little bit of a disappointment to me that, like, the Southeast Asian aspect of this movie, which is, if there was a really obvious point that they have been hammering, that they're trying to kind of, that, that they're, you know, the hook that they're hanging the project on is why we are making this one is because it's Southeast Asia's turn to get the Disney treatment. Yeah. And, you know, cool. Cool. Um, they've clearly done their research. Um, but you know, like, like they've done their look, they've done their research, they've done their research into the set dressing, they've done their research into like the you know, the 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 flora, not so much, no, not so much the fauna, the fauna <laughs> are, are its own thing. I'm not saying that that's what the animal life of Malaysia is like, uh, but flora wise, you know, the kind of the, the kind of the denser kind of you know, jungle areas that you see in a lot of, like, the travel scenes. That looked very Malaysian to me. Right. Um, and certainly the food they were eating is, um, like, it's a hot, like, cu uh, culturally the whole film is a hodgepodge of multiple different Southeast Asian nations. Like, oh, I, I'm just seeing if I can find the list of all the countries that inspired this. Because not all of them I'm familiar with, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Brunei, Singapore, Laos, uh, Thailand, Timor, Cambodia, Vietnam, Myanmar, Malaysia, Indonesia, and the Philippines. So I would know about Malaysia and Singapore out of those. Um, and, you know, the ones that are culturally adjacent to those. And, yeah, you know, I recognized Malaysian, Singaporean touchstones, mostly in the food. Like... A lot of that food is the kind of food that I would eat on holiday. I, I, you know, I'm seeing the rice congee. I'm seeing rambutans and lychees. I'm seeing satay on sticks. Like, and I'm like, cool, that's cool. You got that right. But the problem is because it is, because they've made it this sort of like hodgepodge fusion uh, culture, like in Avatar. Mm -hmm. It all just sort of blends together a little bit, mm. and it doesn't become that distinct. You know, and it, frankly, it doesn't even become anywhere near as distinct as uh, Avatar managed to make it. No, because Avatar, no. 
what Avatar did was like it split things up. So you know, the different nations were more specifically inspired by specific countries. Right. So you know, yeah, like the Air Nation is basically Tibet. Obviously, the Earth Kingdom is basically like you know mainland China. Um, the Fire Nation was, I guess, sort of Imperial Japan, and then the Water Nation is like more the kind of Inuit uh, sort of influence. So you get like, even though the world of Avatar is also one of these, you know, hodgepodge melting pot fantasy versions of those Asian cultures, you get to see each one developed more distinctly. Whereas I feel like in Raya, it's all kind of mixed together in a, into a little bit of a mush. So it doesn't really develop much of a character of its own. And no, the, the closest they come is when they're first, first, first introducing them. And they have that that moment where she's talking about, right, here's how we would fight all of those different people. And then yeah. the reveal is that we're not going to fight them. That in, no. that in that moment, I did feel like, okay, they were setting up. So this this area does this, and this area does this. And, and it was, I mean, it, it was very video gamey. Um, yeah. And it would have been, yeah, perhaps a bit problematic if they'd spent the whole film going, like, everyone from there is like this. Which, to, they did a little bit. But anyway... The, so, oh. but they, but but it was interesting anyway. And then after that, yeah. I didn't really feel that again. I never really knew where I was. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Like they, I feel like they missed an opportunity to really put the Southeast Asian cultural stamp on it hmm. in like a way that really felt like it counted for something. And look, I, I guess I'm more. I notice this more because I know those cultures better. But like. I mean, with that said, I you know, I said this on Twitter when um, when I watched it first and was posting my thoughts on just on my own Twitter account. Like, ultimately, it's kind of about as or this is about as authentically Southeast Asian a movie as Frozen is authentically Norwegian, mm. which is to say, basically not. It's like you know they've they've done the research into the window dressing and so forth, but yeah. like. And I'm not, like, I want to be clear here. I'm not saying this from a, like, this is problematic point of view. I'm not saying it that, like, oh, they've bastardized uh, Southeast Asian culture. It's like, no, they haven't. They've made, they've, they've, you know, they've taken more of a light touch influence from Southeast Asian culture or more of a surface level influence from it than I might have thought. And I suppose what it does is maybe it kind of, it makes me interested to hear what people from the other cultures they've represented recently in some of their other movies make of those in terms of how deep those actually go yeah. into into their cultures. Like I like because I was just about to say like to my untrained eye I don't know anything about I don't really know anything about like Pacific Island Polynesian type culture. Yeah. So I was going to say, like, I felt like Moana delved deeper into that culture than this does into Southeast Asian culture, but that might simply not be true. That might just be me not noticing that that one is, you know, about equally as surface. I think perhaps the reason. I think perhaps the reason it feels like it did because it does, and again, I don't know either, but is because in that one. It just felt a bit more developed. The the place yeah. where they lived and, yeah. and what they thought about the place where they lived and the things that they did 
was more time time was spent on it in a way that it that it wasn't in this film which was keen to get her pushed out the door and onto an adventure um yeah i actually i even thought that some parts of this film was sort of actively having to deal with its similarity to other films and and try try and wriggle around it so like um um well, now, by the way, and this is something that is going to come up a lot tonight, I can't remember much of this film already. Like, I watched it yesterday rather than today, and so a lot right. of it, a lot of it has just slipped my mind because, you know, it wasn't riveting. But um, I, I remember thinking that there was the bit early on where, you know, um, King of the Land takes Daughter of the Land and goes, you know, we each add our thing to this collective item that shows who the ruler was and in in moana it was you put your rock on the stack and in this it was we put a bit of water on your head and it goes over onto the soul um and i thought that was such a similar concept that i was kind of going is this is this do they is this a template that they've come up with for like other culture films now yeah And, and are they going to have to quickly try not to be doing a template and i and i kind of think they did because there wasn't very much you know we do this on our island stuff at the start of this one. And, and as a result, I kind of suffered a little bit. I could have done with yeah. it a bit more. I know. And like, but you don't even necessarily have to front load that because no. it's not like, no, um, it's not like Moana where they spend the first part of the film on an island mm. where the culture is and where her family is and the people are. And then when she's on her adventure, she's in the middle of nowhere. Mm. Oh, only bouncing off the occasional character she's encountering in the middle of the sea. Like, all of Ryan the Last Dragon is set in the world. Yeah. Theoretically, every scene, you should have an equal opportunity to develop the culture of this world we're supposed to be engaged with saving. Yeah, even if it's just... What what she does in this film is she collects a band of people from different places. So what they could, yeah. have, been, what they could have done to address that is yeah. simply have those people exchange cultural stuff with each other and yeah. say like oh well back home we do this and um there wasn't and it's not like they didn't do that at all because there was you know the little chef boy and the foodie maid or whatever that's kind of a shorthand for culture isn't it the food yeah. but i just didn't feel like they did really do any of that and they could have and i would have liked it yeah it, and not just i would have liked it i kind of feel like it was central to mm. the functioning the smooth functioning of this film and it's you know just like we've been saying with a lot of the Disney remakes, they don't do themselves a favor by keeping so close to the template of things that we've seen before mm. and that worked better in those other things yeah. because it begs the comparison at yeah. that stage. You can't just say like, oh, I'll just put Avatar The Last Airbender out of my head. Mm. How can I possibly, yeah. when, when during your prologue scene with young Raya doing her trial or whatever, she is dressed as Korra. Yeah. yeah. Like, is that... Did they... Was that an homage? Or... Well, again, I, whenever I see that sort of thing, I, I, I have to say to myself, I guess that's how people dress there. And that this is just, that Korra just did it first, and so they have to do it if they're setting something else there. But, like... I'm not sure that I'm not sure that's the case. That there. Yeah, exactly. I, I, never, I never saw anyone in either Malaysia or Singapore who dresses like that. And now look, I've not been to Brunei, Indonesia, or the Philippines, but I'm going to go out. Well, I mean, I'm I, I am assuming a certain historical dress aspect. 
<laughs> rather than just how they dress now. But still, no, yeah. the point still stands. Yeah, yeah. It, yes. So, okay. So, like, Avatar The Last ben- Airbender, right? If Bear Ender, <laughs> he just goes around okay. ending bears. Um, oh, no. <laughs> what they've got there is they've got these different areas. And then... Once you've they, they they do that so richly that they're able to spend time with people and stories that would take place in those things. That's a very long series. We don't expect this film to do that. So the answer is yeah. not to set yourself the task of fleshing out multiple different kingdoms. There was no reason for that to be the story. It it mm. it feels like it feels like someone had just watched this thing and then went and re- I remember when I was a kid, right? The the uh, the last Starfighter was on TV. And uh, and about halfway through it, I jumped out of my chair and I grabbed my tape recorder and I ran upstairs saying, sorry, I've just got a story I need to record. And one of my parents went, is it just this film and you're just going to say it onto tape? And I went, no. And, <laughs> and then I found myself sitting in my bedroom being like, damn it, that is what I was going to do. What shall I do now? And that's what this feels like. It feels like someone watched Avatar and went, okay, I, I need to write a piece of original fiction. There yeah. are five Asian kingdoms. The yeah. fire one. The water one. And it's like, don't, you don't have to do any of that. For, even for this concept yeah. to function, you, you didn't have to do that. And what you end up with, this is what I said to Abby like, on the night when we were watching it, you end up with a game that feels like... <laughs> you end up with yeah. a film that yeah. feels like it, would, it wants to be a game so yeah. hard... And it just accidentally, some, halfway through the project, it changed from being a game into a film because someone yeah. said, "Oh, make it a film instead." Like, yeah, my uh, for the not when the story developed, but after the first about forty minutes to an hour of this film, that was when we we paused it to go and do something and then come back to it. And during that time, and the reason we paused it is we were getting quite fed up with it. And yeah. d- during that time... Oh, yeah, I think the first 40 minutes is the worst part. It's yeah. markedly worse. After that, we were fine. Um, yeah. So we thought we were in for a film that would really annoy us, but actually it was fine after that. But yeah, that, that first sort of 40 minutes. Um, I was saying to myself, and to Abby, I, said, I allowed the words to come out of my mouth as well. <laughs> I said that, like, if I, had, if I could do something to make this film the perfect version of what it wants to be, so you've got this girl who's... Um, riding around on this cool new idea of a steed that they've come up with in this new idea of Hyrule Field that they've come up with and she's got to go to each of the castles, all the temples at the centre of the nations and get the gem from there make it a silent film then lean into the video game aspect and just do an Asian Zelda movie without without really any dialogue it would have been really really cool now I understand they can't do that I'm not saying like they should have done that obviously that's not Disney they can't really do that would have been really cool if they had but if you start to think of it that way then you know that you can simply cut in on her riding that steed across that place going up against things each there's a rival in each place the people look different they do different things you've got her big rival character still none of that none of the relationship between her and the rival needed words it's all very clearly communicated and it means that you could have simply cut off all of the gubbins at the start and this was what made me yeah. realize that like the first at least 15 maybe 25 30 minutes of the film was like just arbitrary i guess we do these in disney films scene setting stuff you have to have the bit where the protagonist is a child 
because yeah. you can't just have a not child protagonist but also yeah. for some reason we we want to be doing adult protagonists now but also have it be a child so we have to have the flashback and like i get the th- that's not the only reason to do a, to start the film with a child but it's what they did in moana and it makes you compare the films and yeah. like so if we're doing that if we're having these I mean, we we thought about it and we decided that probably the, the origin of that, because there are so many Disney films that start with the child, Tangled did it and Zootopia did it, like where you start with them as a child and then you hop to the future and they are an adult now or a young adult, whatever, a teenager, whatever. Um, that probably is because during The Lion King, somebody went, have you noticed that we're able to sell two different toys of each <laughs> character to everyone. Now, I don't, I'm not cynical enough to think that they went, aha, let's yeah. sell two different toys. But probably it's like, we like it when, the, the bosses like it when we do a, they're a child, then they're an adult film. So we'll yeah, do yeah. that. But the only reason I'm guessing this stuff, the only reason I'm thinking about it at all is, I just didn't really feel a desperate need to have that time skip. Like, no. I didn't need either the child or the adult. I feel like you can pick one and and it would be fine. Um it was fine as it was. It's just because the other films all did it. Now I'm going, well why have we got this? And if we've got that, if we've got this flashback, why have we got a narrated flashback intro at the start about the five kingdoms and the fire nation attacking and all that sort of stuff? And as I'm thinking about that, I'm going, okay, how do I fix that? No problem. I make it that the narrated intro, if apparently we need one because they aren't, they refuse to just have characters talk to each other and set up the stuff in the story. So, yeah, make it that it's an in-universe. You start off with this interesting animated intro, and then it turns out that someone is telling that story to people in the child is a is a child. But that's Moana, so you can't do that because they did it. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I was like. I was really excited about this film mm-hmm. for, I, I would have to check the timing of it, but I'm going to eyeball estimate at eight seconds. <laughs> uh, uh, when it opens on just the stark, sandy, dystopian landscape, and it's just her riding her weird steed across this desolate yeah. environment. And I'm like, this is cool. Yes. This is moving. This is what you're saying. This is Asian Zelda. Like, you cut to that awesome. and you go from there, yeah. Go from there and go from there. Tell set, tell the setting just through what she's passing and looking at. Yeah. Like, like they kind of do. They see the weird things on the, on the horizon. You can see things are yeah. ruined. You can see people have been turned into statues or yeah. whatever. Yeah, that's like, the thing. Once you can see that people have been turned into statues, I don't really need to know... I don't really need to watch the day it happened where really all that's communicated is that's a shame. Exactly. Like, so they could, they had this opportunity to do that, mm. but then the narration kicks in immediately. Mm. And it's like, oh no, okay, I guess you're going to spoon feed me. And yeah. this narration isn't to that good. I'd forgotten that they did that. That They did do that sort of cold open with her as, yeah. as an adult. I'd forgotten it. And... Why did they do that? Was it because of this conversation? Did they go like, well, that is a lot of intro when it would have been cool to just start in the desert. Let's start in the desert and then cut to the stuff. This is the this is the reason we yeah. were so confused. The reason we had to pause to like go away and talk about it to each other and sort some stuff out was because 
That's not the part that would have been particularly affected by the pandemic, I don't think. I feel as if they would have been... They would have... They didn't make this film in a year, so they must have had the story sorted out already. Yeah. Before they all had to go home. I argue that they didn't have the story sorted out, I even concur. if they thought it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Well, but that's so that's why I was speculating earlier yeah. that in another production somewhere during that year they would have gone, "Oh, we haven't got the story sorted out. Okay, let's sort the story out." And then, oh, great, back into it. What scenes we've already animated can we keep? Which ones we're going to have to get rid of or redo or whatever? Whereas here, I I felt like they were obliged to just keep plodding on with what they were stuck with um, story wise. Because that was, but if I was going to boil down my review of this film to one thing, is it was quite nice, but the script ruined it. And I mean that in yeah. terms of the story that happens and the words that people say. I didn't really like either of those things. Yeah, I'm look. I'm gonna. I'm going to have a short aside mm-hmm. to a topic of a conversation that we've brought up before and that I'm really hoping that we can stop talking about after a certain amount of time because it will fix itself and then I won't keep having to sort of hover around this awkward topic. Okay. And it's the fact that, well, there's a change in the production crew, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Like the executive, like head of story at Disney is a different person ah, now yes. Yes. from who they used to be. Yes. And yes, I am I do believe that the previous occupier of that job it is right that he no longer occupies that yes. job. But he was very good at it. Mm. Like transformatively good at it. So the moment he came into that job, everything immediately got loads better. Yeah. And he's left now, and he has been replaced by someone who I'm very much rooting for, but yeah. whose work I'm yet to be fully convinced by. And yeah. We've had this conversation before. We have had this conversation we before. Have. And you know why I'm so awkward about it. Yeah. Like, because, look, like I said, I'm absolutely rooting for Jennifer Lee in this role. Like, I do feel like she's earned that role. Like, she yeah. directed Frozen, yeah. for God's sake. Like, if there's any bigger, like, qualifier to get the top seat at Disney. It's making Frozen. Yeah. Sure. But I didn't like Frozen. <laughs> or like yeah. at least I thought that Frozen had a very messy story. Mm, yeah. Com- and, yeah. And compared to the films that preceded Frozen that caused us to go, we're in a new Disney renaissance. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the films that she has been most heavily directly involved in are films that I would also characterize as having messy stories, right. like Frozen 2, like A Wrinkle in Time. Mm-hmm. Like, it's... And, you know, like, the two films that have been made with her as the um, chief creative officer so far are Frozen 2 and this, both of which have quite messy, shaggy stories that aren't really kind of structured in the way, in a way that kind of pleases my mind, at least. Mm. And, you know, feel like they have a bit too many dead ends and tours and, you know, like, you really wish someone could have, like, just sat down, you know, 60% of the way through the production and, like, run the rule over everything and been like, look, do we need all this? Is this the right shape? Mm. Here, fix all this, fix all this. Now go make the film. And, like, yeah, I am, look... (laughs) When Disney next make a film that where the story just feels tight and 
just unfolding in the exact pleasing order that you'd like to see it unfold, a big knot in my chest will unclench and yeah. I will relax about it and I will feel like, okay, it's fine. This isn't just something that only the previous guy could do and, you know, that we're going to have to just accept as a thing we've lost. It's like, no, Disney can still do that. We can still have that good stuff without all the bad stuff. Um, but until that time, I'm going to be awkward about this. Yeah. Yeah. It's just something yeah. we're going to have to live with, isn't it? Um... Unless we don't. <laughs> Unless we don't. Hopefully we don't. Like, Well, this hopefully... is the thing. This, the, yeah, that's the thing. This, there is a mitigating circumstance for this particular film. There is. Um, and it's just come at an awkward time. Yeah, sure. And like, look, look maybe I'm putting too, too much... <laughs> I was gonna say maybe I'm putting too much on like like specifically I'm putting too much on Jennifer Lee's doorstep here. It's like you know this film had a director. You know it had two directors. It was Don Hall and Carlos Lopez Estrada. You know uh -huh. so maybe they're the ones who are responsible. And I was then I was gonna say like and maybe the director of Frozen Two is the one who's most responsible for uh, the story problems with that. And then realized that yeah no that no I can't follow that line of argument any further. Um, but 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 but. No, I am not. I am not calling time on any of this. Yeah, it's just, it's a concern I have yeah. that is yet to be assuaged. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think I've been, I, I've been clear and consistent about that since she came in. I'm rooting for her, but her particular track record, her specific track record of films, hadn't convinced me that like she was the exact safe pair of hands for like Disney story stuff from now on right. that I did feel when Pete Doctor took over at Pixar. Because right. I'm like, yeah, Pete Doctor, I definitely know that like I see Pete Doctor as a real safe pair of hands in that respect. Mm. And Jennifer Lee, maybe she just needs some more time to get her eye in. Mm. And and also maybe I'm just being completely unreasonable here and pointing the finger at her when it absolutely shouldn't be pointed at her. You know? I that I may just be being like just, you know, hopefully hysterical about this and, like, <laughs> forming correlations where there aren't any correlations and, like, assigning more responsibility to her mm -hmm. than, than, I, than is reasonable to. But, like, you know, we'll see. We'll see. And, but, yeah, just for now, yeah. this, one is, this one's a bit messy and I just don't feel like all the ideas are are cooked properly or i mean the way i put it is like i feel like they didn't really finish the foundations before they start building that no house. no there's a yeah it's just that thing where there's a number of things in it that felt like the first idea like like go to the kingdom and collect the jewels like let's uh, I, who should we have in this <laughs> let's have drax in this from guardians of the galaxy we'll just put him in and he'll do drax jokes but not funny and we kind of missed the point of them um <laughs> Like they, they, I felt that with the team of main characters, yeah, I wasn't. I, I had complicated feelings about them as a team. I think there's a lot of potential in them, and yeah, uh, and that's both in terms of like putting those characters together and having them do amusing things together, but also just literally the way they look and so on. I think it's all fine, but I had two main problems, which is that one was like the way that they come together as a team felt very arbitrary to me it really felt as if 
you just bumped into someone and now they're in the team and it never quite satisfied me that there was a reason why that was the person we bumped into other than you know yeah. it, it, that it just it, it just feeling random and then on top of that well there was just stuff like I'm, I'm trying not to come down too hard on the sort of kung fu baby idea because I'm not like I'm not I'm not grouchy about that and I don't want to come off as grouchy about it but I thought it was a sort of a sub Disney I didn't really think it was worthy of Disney because like yeah because the, okay here's the, the best way I've been able to articulate this is that like there are so many things including Disney films including um shorts that they might animate where having a baby that is re- that literally is a baby but has yeah. adult characteristics like from the film Boss Baby um yeah she looked a bit too boss baby to me. That There was that, that's for sure. Yeah, and put it together with flipping Drax, and it just makes me feel as if they're doing and, and, a, and a big, long My Little Pony. It made me feel like they were picking from other things and putting them in, because that's what you do before then you develop the idea a bit more and, and you, you mould it into your own thing a bit more. But the baby, there are so many things in which you can have a baby that does that. Yeah. I think this baby was introduced too far into this film, by which time I had a handle on what is and is not reality here in this particular cartoon. And yeah. the fact that it starts off as this baby that's like, oh, look at the cute baby, but then it turns out to do whatever. Like, is a con man. And is a con man, but is a baby. Like, after that, yeah. after that had happened, I was like, oh, it's about to reveal what it really is. It's not a baby. It's a dragon or something like that. Or like it's a small adult. Yeah, but no, it was a it was a baby, and I was expected to continue to believe in its reality of being a baby for the rest of the film. But also, it was doing con man stuff sometimes, and sometimes it was really sympathetic. It would have it would go straight from con man stuff to sadness because this is a baby living in poverty, um, and that's yeah. why it's learned to do con man stuff. Am I making up that it was doing kung fu, or was it also doing that? I think it was. Like, she was at very least doing flips and stuff. Flips and kicks and stuff. That's yeah, that, that's all I... Yeah, I don't really know if it... I don't, I don't remember if she fought someone. No, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Well, anyway, that concept is fine by itself. It's just that this far into a film, I wanted more addressed about why I'm now expected to also allow this into reality. Like... Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, well, it's so nitpicky, think, yeah. but it just didn't feel like it fit. And I was well, expected well, to think it did. All of the, their comedy entourage are introduced with a scene of very, very broad, mm. or, or bordering on un-Disney-ish comedy. Mm. Uh, you know, we've talked about the Kung Fu Baby. You had previously expressed your concerns about the introductory scene of what's-his-name, the little kid on the boat. Oh, um, yeah. So the... Who, the context Boom. for this is that that scene was released uh, a, a week or so before the film came out, and that was the moment where I went from, cool, I'm looking forward to Ride the Last Dragon, to like, oh no, I don't like this. Yeah. And to explain why, it was sort of twofold. One was that this was the smuggest character I had ever seen. Um, it was yeah. like, it was the bit in the, the bit in the Iron Giant where he goes, welcome to whatever'sville, population us and it was and yeah. he's talking in an elevated level of smugness everything out of this boy's mouth was that level of of smugness which i associate with 
not even DreamWorks anymore, but like early DreamWorks. Like long, oh. long in the past, nobody does it anymore. Old fashioned, antiquated. What we used to call the DreamWorks face, I genuinely now call the Raya face because it was <laughs> throughout this film and not just on that character. Um, yeah. This is one of my big problems with the script was that everyone had to say the swaggeriest, coolest, dudeest, cockiest thing for every line, and it and it really wound me up. And that was why we had to pause. We were, it was starting to feel chicken literally, Jahan, after those first forty minutes. Um, yeah. yeah. The other side to that, and which also contributed to this, and the reason why I didn't like the look of that scene when it first came out, was that the animation style in it, particularly on the boy, but also on the other two was that they would pop and bounce between keyframe poses far too fast for my comfortable viewing. Um, and that's yeah. what Chicken Little did um, when yes. it was their first experiment with 3D animation ever. Yeah. Um, I It looked the same as that to me. But I didn't... I, I had a little whinge, but then I, I reined it in when that first scene was first released because I thought to myself, well, maybe it's running at the wrong speed. Now, I know that that seems weird, but... The first time we noticed that sort of animation was in the uh, intro to the um, to the new, so now what, 2002, probably 20 years old, whatever, whatever it was, uh, He-Man series, uh, the one that kind oh, of... right. Do you know the one that yeah. kind of made it a bit more lore-based and, and had... Yeah, the serious one. The serious one, yeah. Well, the intro to the that... The one where is a man whose face burned off. Yeah. yeah. Well, the intro to that had He-Man sort of... As all of the characters swooped in to do their big final pose, he kind of would come in, swing his sword around, do something with his sword, and end on a big pose. But it, it's the sort of thing that should have been like, ah, swishy, a swishy, swish, a swoosh pose. And it was actually like, like that. And it was far yeah. too fast. And we were like, we can tell that this was animated to be slower than this, but they needed to cram more into the intro. So they've like, they've just crammed it in. That was how I felt about this scene, and I thought maybe it's been edited down for the trailer. The bad news for me is that it hasn't. It really is like that. The good news is that it's the rest of it isn't like that. It's not. I didn't get that from the whole of the rest of the film, or indeed that character. But for the rest of the film. But I did. No, well, I did. I got it from that character, and I got it from. Oh, and they I called him. It. And they called him like Captain Poppenlock or something at some stage. Um, yeah, they did. So he was obviously. To an extent, deliberate, but no, I never felt like it was running too fast in the rest of the film, I suppose. I, yeah, you're right there. Yeah. But it was always there. There was that sort of um, approach to animation was often underlying the film, and it would then cut to the next scene where it wasn't. I think this film swapped animation styles very quickly from one scene to the next, and this may be an artifact of the lockdown stuff. Um, there was Frankly, one... Yeah, sorry, you, you finished that. Uh, the, the, the end of the point is that there was one scene in which... Um, uh, a character, can't remember who it was, but a character was doing that weird pop and lock movement and then um, looked over an, an edge of something and talked to some people further down. And now the animation was subtle and smooth and flowing. And it was as the camera would cut, that was when the animation style would change. And I found that a little bit um, disjointed. I was going to spin off of that into saying that, like, I mean, I think that just goes for the tone of the film in general. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think that it's very much exemplified by by the little boy character because, you know, as I was as I was sort of going to sum up, like, Mo, he and those other members of the comedy entourage, they, the way they work themselves is, like, introduce themselves, rarely broadly, rarely goofy, and then their next scene 
will be the one where they say about how all their family is dead. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they did that, like, with every single member of the cast. Yeah. It's like, they turn up, I'm the funny one, I'm the comedy relief character. Mm. Blah, 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 here's my smug face, blah, 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 blah. Next scene. So, yeah, I'm an orphan, and, like, my family's turned stone, and all my people have died. Yeah. And, you know, it's like... You're right, okay. they... They did that with I, they did that with the boy. They did that with the baby. And the only reason I didn't twig until now that they did that with Drax is because that is Drax. That's his story. So it made sense <laughs> that it would be him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And look, I appreciate the fact that yeah, okay, you're not just having them operate at this ridiculous level of like heightened comedic hysteria yeah. that is compatible with the rest of the film. But uh, there is more subtle ways to ground the character than just have us repeatedly run our faces into that tonal brick wall multiple times in the film. Yeah. But but it does that throughout. Yeah. And that's something that I was going to say earlier, or I, I alluded to earlier, when I mentioned the fact that, like, yeah, it was apparently a relatively later addition to make uh, Raya more of a um, swaggering Star-Lord kind of personality. Mm. Because, frankly doesn't fit the character at all. No, <laughs> like, I, it, I just didn't like her. I, like, came around to an acceptable level of investment by, like, the very yeah. end. But I did most too, yeah. of the time, I was like, I'm not feeling this character particularly. And it's not Kelly Marie Trans. No. Um, no, it isn't. Like... Just a little thing. One thing that that didn't help me, and I don't know if this is just me or not, mm. but did you think that the young version of her looked like the adult version of her? Because I didn't. <laughs> no, um, but I didn't, you know, I haven't been able to examine the two models side by side and, and see what I think about that. Um. Uh, but like, but this is not an observation that has ever come to my mind in any previous of the, you know, as you've just pointed mm. out, dozens of dozens of previous times they've done this. I When they switch to the adult version of the character model, I'm always like, oh, yeah, there they are. Yeah. You know, there's adult Moana, there's mm. adult uh, Judy Hopps or whatever. Yeah, it's like, yeah. And it's like, I don't think Child Raya and Adult Raya look sufficiently like each other. <laughs> and it genuinely... It's one of the hurdles to my investment because mm. I'm like, oh, okay, she's grown up into a different, a subtly different, but different human being now. Okay, so there's that. And then there's the Star Lordiness of it does not work right. And, no. like, look, I know you're not necessarily the biggest fan of, no. the, of, of OG Star Lord. No, not. But the reason that there is a story reason for yes. Star Lord to be like yes. that, like, the way he's written is deliberate. Like, when you join him at the start of Guardians of the Galaxy and he's snarking and kind of cruelty-ing his way through this galaxy, you are supposed to have... You're su like, I think it's very deliberate. Like, Guardians of the Galaxy is also, I think, very deliberate yeah. in including a scene of him as a child at the beginning so you can see that as a child he wasn't like yeah. that. Like, he's, he's actually a kind, sensitive child who cares about, like, you know, who's who would fight bullies off because they're torturing a frog or something like And is just, like, just really, really, really carp about the death of his mum. Yeah. And then when you pick up with him later, after the time skip, he's 
he's just giving off asshole energy, which he then has throughout the film. But that's the story of that film. Yes. It's like he's he's a, he's a good kid who's been raised by pirates and like hmm. outlaws yeah. in this very very kind of like ramshackle part of the galaxy and he's turned into an asshole mm -hmm. and his character arc over the course of like certainly though the first two guardians of the galaxy films is like him gradually regaining his sense of kind of like decency community ability to kind of like care for and exist in a coherent family unit with others like the, all of the characters in Guardians of the Galaxy are meant to be broken people who are healing from, you know, a background that has left them these very callous individuals. Mm -hmm. Raya is not like that no. in the same way. What they've described as her original character, she was originally a stoic loner, but we infused her with elements of levity and swagger. It's like, she should be a stoic loner. Like, yeah. it makes complete sense that she would be a stoic loner. Like, she's someone out there to sort of, like, heal her broken world and, like, save her father from a curse. Because she's been on her own with, like, you know, just with her steed for presumably five, six years or whatever. Yeah. Like, you know, single-mindedly following up on this quest. Why wouldn't she be a stoic loner? Why would yeah. she be wisecracking? Yeah, ex exactly. That Where's she got that from? Where's she learned to be like that? And she, oh, she, had, as a kid. she had a little bit of it as a kid, but only a little bit, and not enough to develop it into. Yeah, it, no, it, it doesn't make sense, and it made it very difficult for me to sort of accept her as a protagonist. Now, I recognise yeah. that she was on a journey, and that the point was that um, you know, at the end, she learns what her problem was all along, and then fixes it. The trouble is that that's true of a lot of heroes that. The journey is still. I find I have a better time being on that journey with them, um, and yeah, I struggled. I really did struggle with Raya. There were especially when it actually came to the fight between her and the other woman. So Raya would <laughs> behave normally for a while, but then whenever there was something to directly react to, particularly when her rival showed up and they had to stand off against each other in some way that's when the eyebrow would come out and that was when the lines and the swagger would come out and it was i just, I was, I just found it unbearable you know that i already do anyway that's just my little bias that i already have but this film really wanted to go hard on that and i'm and i, do, I don't find it justified where i do in guardians of the galaxy and and many other places where i've seen that's the problem this was why I felt that some aspects of this film were sub-Disney. Not in presentation, not in level of production. But just, why do we need these swaggering characters with swaggering lines? Why do we have so many of them? Why do we have this boy whose whole thing is that one eyebrow's up and one eyebrow's down and he's doing the grin? Why does, why does Raya go into that mode whenever there's a task to be done or someone to be talked to or whenever something's gone her way or whatever? It's like... And then there's the third character again. There's the rival girl who had a lot of that as well. And it's just yeah. like, this is loads. Stop it. Yeah. Tone it down. Give me different characters. One of the things that um, was brought up about that scene on the boat that, that was released early that I saw an animator comment on negatively was that there wasn't any visible difference between the movement style across the characters. And there were a little discussion spun off about, um, do they do the thing anymore that they used to do where each character will have an animated, an, a lead animator for that character? And, and we discovered that, no, they, they don't. 
they it's done by scene now, which was why I was going, okay, evidently I just don't like this scene. I'll, I'll wait and see the rest. Um, and that, you know, paid off a bit. But it yeah. was it was there throughout the film, and it did make the whole thing kind of look, everyone look a bit samey to one another. And they were all in competition to do cool 90s kids sitcom lines at each other all the time, which I didn't find funny 30 years ago. And No, like, that was it for the amount of quips in this. The hit rate is very low. Mm. And the like, and the and the, the the word is overused, but the cringe rate, like the amount that I wanted to look away because of how it how badly it didn't land, is high. That happened to me a lot. I was mm, mm, a lot. Yeah, mm. but for me, like I don't remember that many where I was just like mm. one of the ones that just stuck in my mind is like, why is Raya saying he is the sitch? Mm. <laughs> like, I don't think anyone other than Kim Possible has ever said that. I like I just don't yeah. believe it's a thing people said. I think Kim Possible said that in the hope that it would be a thing. <laughs> and I don't think it ever was. I don't think it ever picked up. I doubt I I, I refute the idea that they got it from somewhere else. <laughs> I just don't think it's a thing people say instead of situation. Yeah. But, that one was a bit dated. A lot of the rest of it was distractingly American contemporary in terms of the the, the type of humor and the type of slang. And yeah. this ties back into an earlier point that I was making about in, in scripting the film in this way, you've also further sacrificed any of that benefit of cultural specificity that you were hoping to get from the Southeast Asian setting. Like, Yeah, that stood yeah. out. This character, yeah, these characters are meticulously designed, you know, and like it, it, with, with all these Southeast Asian trappings, you, you know, you've gone to the effort of hiring this a or, or, or mostly Asian cast, mm. but they are American as hell, and the overarching tone of the film is American as hell, yeah. like to, to a greater degree than most Disney films. Yeah, are. yeah. Like, like this is American high school talk throughout yeah. from almost every single character and if they're not talking like they're in an american high school they're talking like they're in a marvel movie you know yeah well like, that's, but that's the thing because all of those things i always this is maybe just my bias but i rarely find something funny if it doesn't ring true that if you want yeah. somebody to be funny it's it's when it's a new observation oh yeah we do do that or whatever that that's the cut of the kind of humor they're trying to do in this film what they've done in this, and this always turns me off, and I, I always really hate this. I get that. I guess there's a place in the market for it because a lot of people keep doing it. But it's the thing where they're, yes, they're being incredibly contemporary, and I think they think that's the joke. Like it's funny that a dragon would say something that a high school kid would say. Except it doesn't ring true that a high school kid would say any of this. It sounds like something. It sounds like a language gradually learned by you know, people who've watched TV that was trying to talk cool. And it yeah. just it just felt so artificial. It is people saying what's the sitch and stuff all the way through. Yeah. I can't I, think of any more, but there were so many more. There were so many more. And Yeah, it's just and like from my from my perspective, it, it that lack of ringing true was emphasized, I, I was mm, exacerbated yeah. by the Southeast Asian setting because yeah. it's like, yeah, they look Southeast Asian, but they do not sound it at all. Like, yeah. it was it was like a cool breeze when 
you know, about halfway through the film when they're in, I don't remember the name of the kingdom, the one where they meet the baby, mm. where they meet, where they run into the, the, the elderly lady who's the leader of that yes. kingdom. And that's like, I must admit, I thought she sounded exactly like Michelle Yeoh. It's not Michelle Yeoh. It's Lucille Sung. But she sounds Asian. <laughs> but you know what I mean, though? It's like, oh, wow, it's someone who sounds like they fit yeah. into this thing. And who doesn't just sound... And, like, it sounds like a ridiculous thing to say because all of the other cast members are well, Asian as well. Yes, <laughs> yes. It doesn't ring true. It doesn't, it ring, ring, it, true. It, 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 it doesn't ring true to anything. It, it struggles to... Like, the, the script is... The, the tone of the script is not anchored. Hmm. And the tone of the characters is not, like, yeah. anchored in anything. It's not anchored in any real-life culture, other than just that nebulous, overarching sense of this is an American film made by Americans. Yeah. It's not... And it's not anchored in the culture of this world, the fictional world, either. Because we don't have a sufficient view of what this fictional world is. There was a lot of that, what if we have the funny character... And maybe we'll think later about what funny means. But this felt like trying to do that with everyone over and over again. And it just, it was a bit, yeah, it just didn't fit what they were doing, what else they were doing. No, because what else they're doing is, so you know, like, honestly, by Disney standards, like quite a grim and gritty mm. uh, action adventure type movie. Like, yeah. style, like to not tonally, but like, intent wise this is about as close as they're getting to that kind of like era of your atlantis the lost empire mm. or treasure planets mm. as as we've seen for a while whether it feels like you know what let's try the action adventure genre you know let's try let's give it a good go we've 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 been you know we've been doing the kind of the very much family family movies and the musicals for a while let's give that another crack and for that yeah, you know what? You can tone you can tone the script down a little bit. You don't have to have it be like this to overcompensate for mm. the fact that you're trying to tell a bit more of a serious story mm. or, or whatever. Like, yeah, okay, you know, it's a Disney film. Like, you'd ha you you can have you can have some of those characters in there. Yeah, but but not everyone. <laughs> yeah, not not everyone. Like, because, and I feel what that ultimately. I think one of the bigger victims out of this, Raya aside, and I'm going to come back to some other points about Raya in a bit, but I think it neuters the character of Sisu, mm. the dragon. Mm. Because she should be the funny one. Yeah. She should be the she should be the one on the genie mushu yeah. mouth continuum. Yeah, what on earth wouldn't you do? If you've decided to have a world that reveres dragons and no brainer. The dragon turns up and is silly or not very good at being a dragon or funny or all three. Why wouldn't you put that up against a super serious protagonist? That that would be funnier. And it sounds like that is what they did. And then someone yeah. went, "No, it shouldn't be that." And she should be Star Lord for no reason. It feels like the sensible thing to do is have silly dragon, incredibly serious Disney princess. Do you know what I mean? Because she's kind of a Disney princess, and if she'd been the serious, no-nonsense, like, warrior one, roaming the desert loner, that would have been so cool. And then to have that undermined by a, a daft dragon that she's lumbered with, that would have been funny. Yeah. 
I wonder why they yeah. two chosen when they had that already. I wonder why they chose against it. It's ridiculous. Like I remember <laughs> the quote that always sticks with me from, uh, like uh, from Barry Sonnenfeld when director Barry Sonnenfeld when recounting the, his experience of making Wild Wild West. <laughs> um, God, will you shut up about Wild Wild West on this podcast for ten minutes? I, 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 I literally never will. I cannot. <laughs> I, can, I will not and cannot. Um, but yeah, so you know how Wild Wild West is a terrible film. Yeah. Um. Yeah, like Barry Sonnenfeld's like looking back on it. It was like, right, one of them, I think the big mistake I made with Wild Wild West is that like, I broke my own key rule of comedy. It's like, normally I'd like to have, you know, a funny guy and a more serious guy. So, you know, that's why you have like Will Smith paired with Tommy Lee Jones mm. in the Men in Black movie. Yeah. Whereas in Wild Wild West, I, I made the mistake of pairing like two, two funny people. Like I right, paired... Yeah. Uh, Will Smith with Kevin Klein. So that was my mistake. I broke one of my own rules of comedy. And I was just thinking to myself, that's not your rule of comedy, Barry Sonnenfeld. That's <laughs> that's a generalized principle of comedy. How did you not how did you know that? How did you like <laughs> like that's that is hard to get wrong. That's a difficult <laughs> thing to not notice that you've done wrong. And you know, but they kind of done it here as well. Like, I know mm. Raya is, she is the straighter man of the two men. Um, and that, that, that's another point I want to come back to later as well, actually. A positive point. Mm. Um, but, like, she is the straighter character out yes. of the two. But she's still too, quote-unquote, funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's, <laughs> she seems to be trying oh, to be funny like they they, yeah. they lean into trying to make her do cool funny things in a way that it doesn't like i guess i ought to admit that you know it's not like aladdin was a particularly straight guy but him and the genie worked very well but it was because aladdin had had problems and sadness to overcome and things there were things in there that, yeah. that were to be done and he was the straight man in the sense of being the heroic guy um yeah and so i don't know why his swagger doesn't bother me Maybe it was simply because I was 11. <laughs> Might be. He's also written... He's written drier, I think, than, mm. than Raya. Uh, I feel like Raya plays to the camera yeah. in, in, with a humour in a way that, like, it doesn't really work if you're then paired up with another character who's also doing that. Yeah. Um, but also, like... What he, the, the, that kind of dry level of witty, sort of like sarcastic, quick witted comedy that he does obviously that still contrasts to the absolute, yeah, typhoon of a performance that is Robin Williams at full blast. Yeah, I like and I like Aquafina, like, I want to mm. be clear about this. Yeah, oh yeah, Aquafina's been great in everything I've seen her in, like, she's really good in Crazy Rich Asians, which you know surprisingly good rom-com which say one of the you know same one of the same writers from this film um yeah. she like aquafina's from it Gemma chan who played the rival in this film is also in crazy rich asians there's a big load of crazy rich asians crossover crazy rich asians is better than this uh because it's like it's a it's yeah it's a standard rom-com 
but one that really benefits from its cultural specificity. It's like it feels fresh and it feels a bit different because they really lead into the sort of the Asian culture and the Singapore setting. And I really enjoyed Crazy Rich Asians for that reason. Mm -hmm. um, but she's really funny in that. And she's also a really, really good dramatic actress as well. Like when called upon, like right. she was in a film a couple of years ago called The Farewell that is excellent. Like, and you know, and that's much more of a drama role. Like she's a big deal nowadays for a reason. Like, and she's going to be bigger. She's going to be in Marvel's Shang-Chi coming up. So you're going to, you're going to see a lot more of Aquafina in the coming years and good because she's great, but she is not Robin Williams big in her performance. And you need to be Robin Williams big to, 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 to compete with the level of like, like I say, kind of mugging to the camera that I think Raya does. It's, yeah. You know, like it's, it's just not, I think that's all it is. I think as soon as it's aimed at the camera, um, not, and we don't mean literally, but there's something a bit, there's something a bit fourth wally about the way that they, they talk. That's the point at which I, 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 I just think of it as a completely different sort of performance. I think of it as a completely not yeah. in the world moment. And I want, fewer of them or something I, it's, I just find it difficult to mesh with the film those lines Kofina's dragon is like it's it's it would be fine for her to not quite mesh with the world because that's sort of what that type of character is supposed to do in Disney films that is what the genie does mm. that is what Maui does that mm. is what Mushu does for better or worse they exist on this plane above the level of what you've accepted the rest of the film as being. But, you know, one of the problems with here is we hadn't got to a point where we'd accepted the rest of the film as being anything. Yeah. So when Aquafina turns up and is doing her very contemporary style of humor, it's like, okay, I guess you're another clashing element in this yeah. film that was already clashing with itself. That's so it, yeah, it needed to pick one. And she was the one. She was the correct one. Because we've talked yeah. about this before, the genie comes from and uh, the rock in uh, Moana. These are yeah. characters that come from beyond this film, and so it's all right to import modern American stuff or quick fire comedy stuff or whatever, yeah. whatever other weird thing you want to do. Um, and yeah. frankly, frankly, I'd even say the same about um, uh, Johnny Depp in Pirates of the Caribbean. He's so oh, weird. Oh, yeah. But yeah. it makes sense for him to be really weird because he just sails in on a boat from somewhere else and we're like, he's just from somewhere else, so it's fine. In, into this otherwise totally normal pirate film yeah. that has been very grounded by, that, by the point he sails in as a normal pirate film full of, you know, people doing serious pirate uh, corset kind of drama. You know, with, with a few jokes, but mm. nothing on the level of when Jack Sparrow sails in out of nowhere. Whereas... I think actually, I genuinely think Sisu in this film is pitched at the right level. She mm -hmm. is a, 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 a decent character and a decent performance in search of a film to accommodate her. I quite liked that character. Mm -hmm. It's just, I would have liked her better if the film had been set up to showcase that character properly. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Um... It, it, since I'm nodding and saying yes to that, I, I suppose I ought to amend it slightly, which is that one, there was one thing I didn't like, and I never liked this, and this is me. This is me being a grouch. Everybody else likes this. It's the comedy where they say the same thing 20 times in different ways, 
and it's awkward that they're still saying it. Uh, I never liked that, and they did that with this dragon at least twice in the film, and I didn't like that. Yeah. But apart yeah. from that, um, you know, yeah, I yeah, agree. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I think maybe that's part of her... That is, that's an aspect, though, where I feel like, yeah, but you're doing that because that is clearly part of that performer's comedic repertoire, and you're letting her be who she is, you know? Mm-hmm. So... I'm more comfortable with that than yeah. I am with some of the other quips that just feel like focus grouped. They do, um, don't they? Yeah. Like, there was one thing, and it ties in interestingly to the point you were saying about uh, the question of whether or not they assign animators to individual characters or not. And the conclusion is they don't, then. Mm. I think that was like, the. In that. Com- I can't cite my sources, but in that conversation, the answer came through. It's usually separated up scene by scene now. Um, because honestly, if there was one thing that was incredibly distracting me about Sisu, it is that she has the exact movements and body language of Nick Wilde from Zootopia. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. to an distracting. There it people. is. I spent the whole film trying to figure out where I'd seen her face before, and that's it, isn't it? Yep. That's it's it. Like, if 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 it turns out that, like, because of the pandemic, they had to reuse animations from Zootopia in classic Disney style, yeah. it would explain so much. Yeah. Because there was such an uncanny, like, valley slash deja vu thing going on with me with her mm. because i've watched zootopia a lot of times and i recognize those facial gestures those hand gestures that posture like right the, she has the same hands but blue yeah like it's, it, it you know it's okay so that does suggest that there is an in you know in the past we would have said oh that's obviously the same lead animator then so maybe they do they must do mustn't well, maybe- they Maybe it's like the same rig, you know? Like maybe that's the equivalent these days. They just stretched it. Yeah, they just stretched it, or like they they just put a like you say a big stretched My Little Pony costume over top of it. Um, and yeah, yeah, that was. Do you remember, by the way? Do you remember when you used to be able to get a toy that will that that they'll be able to simply reuse the machine, the, like whatever factory machines made this toy in the I want to say nineties to make toys of the dragons in this film. They looked just like it. They were like a... a I think it was maybe dogs, but they had like a, a hard plastic moulded head and then just shaggy yeah. hair. And it was a long tube of this shaggy hair and legs at the back. And you could like wear them like a feather boa and you could whip, whip them around and things. I, I'm, no, sh- I'm sure there was a toy of exactly the dragons from this, except they might have maybe been dogs. I'll have to try and figure yeah. it out. In the... Pl- I- <laughs> like it doesn't it doesn't completely not ring a bell yeah like it, it sounds like a familiar concept but i couldn't tell you what they are no <laughs> um anyway <laughs> but yeah like so she she is what she is and should have been in a different film basically mm. the other characters are um yeah they're just a bit of a hodgepodge of not quite enough like I was, you know, like, and I say this having basically come to accept all of them as the characters of this film <laughs> by, by the end of it. You know what I mean? Like, be like, yeah, sure. You've come okay. to regard them as people I met. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, high exactly. praise indeed. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not like, I'm not 
feeling by the end, can we not? Like, can we not? <laughs> can, <you're gonna> come <laughs> yeah. here? Can, can we have different ones, please? Mm -hmm. It's like, no, yeah, fine, yeah, okay. Yeah, I've been all, on yeah. a journey. But I wish they'd just been a bit more. Uh, mm. Like, the thing that you were saying of like, because the whole point of them is that the, each of them is a character from a different one of the nations. Mm hmm. And they all come together to sort of trust each other and count on each other. Yeah. I would have liked to see a bit more interpersonally in between them yeah. to hammer that point out over the course of the film. Like, at first, when they're all thrust together, they don't get on, but then they learn to trust each other and, like, you yeah. know, see past each other's foibles and maybe, like, the um, preconceptions they might have had of each other from coming from the different nations that they're from. And that doesn't really happen, does it? Mm. So... You know, there's a there's a bit of thematically relevant resonant storytelling that they just chose not to do. Yeah. And then with Raya, because she's not um because they have passed up the opportunity to have her be the stoic loner warrior, um, you know, like the like the driven hero on a quest kind of like willing to sort of throw down and physically beat up people Disney princess um, you know they, they, they've, they've sacrificed that opportunity okay so what is she what kind of Disney princess is she like what what original aspect is she bringing to the Disney yeah. princess table then C kind of nothing um, she's spunky she's uh, self-determined she's she and I read a you know I read a really interesting sort of analysis of this by the film writer Scott Mendelson who I often quote, um, but he was pointing out the fact that like not your average Disney princess has become your yeah. average princess yeah. like yeah like if you think now about you know the type of Disney princess that the Disney princesses who are a reaction to that type of character are yeah. Like, you're a Disney expert. How many of them are there? Of the original mold Disney princess that of which, you know, Belle was a surprising change from and so on. Like, yep. I mean, three maybe. What is there? There's there's Snow White, Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty. I think that might be it. That is literally it. <laughs> yeah. There are three of those made. Yeah. And, out, you know, and even out of those... I would actually argue that that Aurora is herself a bit of a progression. Yeah, yeah. And then they just left it for like what was it, forty years yeah. or whatever. And then they made the Little Mermaid, who was not your average Disney princess. She's progressive, and she's uh, you know, she's self determined. She won't, you know, she won't let her dad tell her what to do, and blah 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 blah. And that's what they've all been mm. since. Yeah, yeah, and. And yet we somehow still seem to keep giving them credit for breaking the mold when no, this is the mold. It is the mold. And and in, and particularly in this one, it's you you can tell it's the mold because it just feels like a mold. It just feels like the yeah. thing that the stuff that they've given her to be is like what you would it's like what I imagine Belle is in Belle's Enchanted Christmas, or it's what I imagine yeah. Cinderella is in Cinderella Three. It's like it's a it's a yes a revisionist disney princess sort of character but not usually what you get the actual fully developed characters as being it's 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 a sort of a flatter version of that where it's like 
she's just kind of sassy. Yeah. And that's that's kind of I'm sounding a lot more down on this film I think than I than I was. There was plenty of it that I enjoyed. Um yeah. it's one of those situations where the things that you don't like are easier to comment on, I suppose. Um Yeah. I really like that one shot with the rocks and the lighting. I thought it was really good. <laughs> this is the thing. The things that are good about this film. And there are a lot of them as we say because we broadly did enjoy it, but they're kind of run of the mill things. Yeah. They're, you know? they're what you would expect, either because Disney have already set themselves up as doing good films, and so they you you expect that from them, or it's what you would expect a film two years since the last one to have lighting like or something. You know what I mean? You you kind of go yeah. like yeah. So like there was loads of stuff in this film that was uh, visuals wise that was done really well, and I didn't notice because it was yeah. done really well. It just breezed past me, and so it's like yeah, it's fine. I noticed the stuff that I was critical of and where I was like, oh, I didn't like the animation on that bit. Here's, oh, no, here's a bit that we thought was really good. Mm-hmm. So I didn't like most of the animation on the boy, partly because I didn't, I don't agree with the decisions that went into his creation at all. He is anathema yeah. to, to me. But <laughs> there was a bit at the end. <laughs> the anti-Dave. There was a bit at the end, yeah, where um, Dragon flies overhead and Abby had to point this out. She had to make me rewind it because I missed him. He's just in the corner and he's just going like this. And it's like that. He just puts his hand over his head, draws it back yeah. like that. And he's like, whoa, like that. And it's a really good piece of like realistic animation in the style that you would expect out of a Disney film done well. And I kind of think that a lot of the rest of the film had in it like this, they've st- they, for this film, they started doing stuff that's been beneath them before because their competitors do it. Stuff where people are twitching around a bit too much to be a bit too funny. Where people are doing lines and stuff. Like, I expected... The way I responded to the dialogue and the animation in this film is the way I expected to respond to the dialogue and the animation in that one where Will Smith turns into a pigeon. Which I never yeah. saw, but that sort of thing is what I yeah. felt the bits I didn't like in this film resembled in a way that i've never seen before from disney i didn't get that from like any of their including you know frozen or anything like that um or and put them together if we if we can put them together briefly with pixar you know um the magic elves and the trouser dad film whatever that was called (laughs) no that's what it was called yeah yeah magic elves and the trouser dad film um and um the and soul like the I had no no comments like that for any of the films that I've seen in the last several years. This is really the first one. And yeah. maybe that's because... It's if, what happens when you raise the bar, you know? Maybe it's what happens when you raise the bar. Maybe it's what happens where, having raised the bar, everybody now has to make a, a film at home. What I don't really understand, and I want, and I genuinely want to know more about this because I bet it's really hard, but I don't know in what way animating from home is harder than animating in a studio once you've got your computer set up and, you, you know, the IT guys are... Because I remember from Seoul, the way they did it, was that they everybody's home computer simply became a dial-in station that sort of communicated with the central uh, yeah. servers at Pixar. So it's not like... I don't, you know... Nobody had to buy a new PC to render anything. It was all, you know, just working remotely so you could do it on anything. But I assume they also gave out nice big Cintiqs for everybody anyway. Um, Yeah, yeah. And and helped improve everyone, you know, pay for fibre for everyone or whatever. Yeah. So I don't know. Given that what I 
think animation probably is, is that you have to sit on your own and be in a scene and work with it, and then you hand it in, and there's the dailies, and the boss says what he thinks of it and has a meeting. That strikes me as doable on Zoom. Like, I don't think there's usually people hanging over your shoulder going to change that or whatever. Maybe they are, and maybe that's what's missing. But I would be interested to know exactly exactly what the difficulties are, because then I would stand more of a chance at knowing what to go, oh, well done, like, you, you, you've made something amazing given the circumstances, and what bits to go like, well, I just don't agree with your choice there. Uh, I mean, like, look, I mean, look, I don't work at Disney, but, the you know, I do work in a creative-adjacent industry, and the thing that I miss from being at home all the time is, like, collaboration is a lot harder. It just mm-hmm. is. I know Zoom's there. Oh, I know- yeah, oh, no, Zoom's no good for... Actual collaboration yeah. between two people, it, it really puts a stress on it, yeah. Yeah, and it dis- dissuades you from asking questions to the person who would have just been sat over there mm-hmm. that you otherwise would have done. You might just sanity check something quickly, whereas you wouldn't bother typing it, and you definitely mm. wouldn't arrange a call mm. with someone. Like, it's it's just those little bits of interconnectivity between the different members of the team that just get lost they're not there they're, yeah. and they cannot be replaced because other than if everyone was just on a zoom call all the time all day but even that's obviously not the same is it no like, you know actually funny you should mention that um it's taken you know until now really but uh, abby and her team um my, my wife works in animation have yeah. um but but that doesn't mean i know anything about it because i don't and she does storyboards yeah. rather than animation um but she, they have actually set up a, a an audio Discord, not a video call, but an audio yeah. Discord that is rolling more or less all the time, and it's it's improved their experience of work gigantically <laughs> just in yeah. the last couple of yeah. weeks. Um, but it depends on what sort of work you're doing, what sort of communication you need to have. Yeah, I I want to know. I'd be interested to hear something really in depth from the people who worked on it, and and I feel as if that's not out of reach because. People are talking about some of this stuff on on Twitter who worked on certain things. So, yeah, I certainly follow at least one of the people who worked on this film because I saw their name in the credits. Right. Okay. I mean, it would a hundred percent definitely have been harder. Ah, but yeah. you know, uh, to, to, like in what ways and in what ways that have that has impacted the finished product is probably always going to be unquantifiable. Mm-hmm. I think. Um. I guess we'll just see what happens the next time they make a film that not under these conditions and we'll see to what extent aspects that we did or didn't see as noticeable in this film suddenly disappear when things are made under normal circumstances again. (laughs) Uh, Stay tuned for our next episode, listeners. (laughs) But look, what you mentioned there is true. We have skewed more negative than I ended up feeling about Mm. the film. As like an actual appraisal. So here's another nice thing that mm-hmm. I actually that that struck me as genuinely like, oh, this was genuinely good. I alluded to it a little bit before. Isn't it nice that they actually had the confidence this time to just make a female-led film without yeah. crowding it out with like, oh god, we got to put a funny guy in there. Everyone important in this film is female, and. It absolutely at no point registers as a genderizing aspect no. of the film. No. At all. Like, there is nothing about this film that feels any less of 
the kind of like Atlantis the Lost Empire kind of meets Marvel movie meets Avatar the Last Airbender kind of tone that they're going for, which you'd call traditionally kind of like action for boys aged 12 to 15 hmm. kind of thing. Hmm. You know, that's how you'd normally bracket that genre if you had to assign a, a stereotype demographic to it. There is nothing about this film that doesn't feel like it's part of that group and that it could easily, easily just simp you know, appeal to that group without them even batting an eyelid, mm. despite the fact that no, they haven't they haven't done what Frozen did and be like, Oh, we've got two really great sort of female protagonists here, but ah, uh, that kind of scares us a little bit. Quick, just ram the supporting cast full of like loud talkative comedy men mm. who will just you know crowd them out of their own film yeah and you know which was our you know one of the issues that we raised with frozen over those eight hours or whatever yes it was uh, um and this one no just they're all women it's fine and it's fine the you know the the badass quipping action hero guy uh, character that's a woman the funny sort of like you know blast from the outside world character who's like you know larger than life and you know doing comedy riffs yep also a woman like the antagonist is a woman the like most you know like the, like the, you know the, the 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 cute baby sidekick is a woman you know it's like everyone they've <laughs> not it, yes yeah there are some male characters in it but it doesn't feel like they've hedged their bets yeah um and that's good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like it's good that they can do that. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not just say, I'm not saying that like, oh yeah, you know, this is, this is how all films must be from now on <laughs> no. or whatever. Like, no, it's yeah, just that it's else? it's something that they've been trying to do and they keep whiffing it, and this time they've got it right, so it's definitely yeah. worthy of note. Yeah. And yet, I feel like most people aren't noting it. Because it's not noticeable, ultimately. It's like what I was saying before about how there was loads of visual things that I that were so good I simply didn't notice them. Um, yeah. Because they go over your head because you're like, that. that's just how it should be. That's just that level of good. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I hadn't noticed that at all until you brought it up. Yeah, and that's exactly what we want. You know, that's exactly what we said we wanted out of Frozen. Like, just have the confidence to like, yeah, you know, like, Yes, you've had you've had loads and loads of male-led films. Just let let the women just take this one. It's and and it's fine and it's as neutrally fine. And boys <laughs> will be able to get into it in the same way that girls can get into all of the films you made about loads of men. You yeah. know, like it's it's just fine. It's just <laughs> normal. They're yeah. just they're just some people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, I, I don't even think I've seen. Uh, anyone managed to sort of s cynically complain about that online to get attention? You know, I don't think anyone's noticing. <laughs> exactly. And on the other side, I've I've not really even seen that many people be like, "Oh, you know, I was crying because it was so important to me." Kind of. <laughs> yeah. You know, on the, on the other side of the kind of reaction spectrum, it's just like, yeah, eh, no, it's just, you know, that that's just that is the makeup of this particular film. Yeah, okay. absolutely. All of the discussion around that sort of topic at all has been about the Southeast Asian stuff rather than the gender stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, they, they've they've just snuck that in. Yeah, and, like brilliant. You've done a great job there. I want to talk, like you know, like I, this is probably going to be the last sort of major 
focus area that I don't think we've dealt with yet. I want to talk about the villain slash antagonist situation in this film. Mm -hmm. Because once again, it's a film that makes me decry like, can we not have Disney villains back? Mm. <laughs> you know, a little bit like, you know, yeah. And, and having enjoyed like what they, what how the antagonist story yeah. does play out in this film, <clears throat> yeah, cool. And it's not, you know, like, yeah, we won't spoil it too much. But like, what they don't do is it's not another like, um, it's not another twist villain like we've had, yeah, too many times recently in in Disney movies. But it's like it's a bit of a there's there is ultimately a bit of a villain void in this film, mm. and you know through a combination of the antagonist being a bit more nuanced than we're used to, and the actually villainous presence being just these weird blobs that aren't anything. Yeah, and that aren't anything, and that like. Uh, <laughs> It's weird to... As I was watching the film, I was waiting to find out... I was waiting for the moment where we find out what they are, and there yeah. isn't one. Um, <laughs> they are just bad clouds of... They're just bad. And yeah. the, for some reason, they're there. I, I, think they were, I think they did say in the intro, like, and because it was bad, they're there. But I can't remember... <laughs> I don't. I don't know what they are. Um, so, but anyway, no. they're fighting against clouds of of weird lightningy cloud stuff. And um, you know, it's bad because it's purple. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and they turn people into stone, and they're just there, I guess. And you know, it's it's all following on from like Moana's, uh, like the villain is just a sort of an a force mm. of. You know, like a natural force pushing back against the hero kind of thing. But like, and quite honestly, that's not my favorite part of Moana. Because, mm. you know, like, again, with Moana, I miss there being a villain. But I like how they, I like how Moana deals with it a lot more than I like how Raya deals with it. Because Moana does something really visually creative with it. And, you know, like, they, they come to a really interesting conclusion yeah. with with the evil force that they're fighting in Moana. Whereas here it's just like, yeah, there's some bad magic happening. And then watch out for those. Watch out for those. Uh, hope we can stop it. Spoiler. Yeah. They stop it. Yeah. You know, like, and can we, can we not have a Jafar? You know what I mean? I know. <laughs> I do know what you mean. Yeah. And especially if you're going to, I'm happy to have, a more nuanced villain where they have more of a journey. But I also sort of think that they could have done that a bit better in this. Like, I was a bit... I, I feel as if the... Wouldn't it have been really cool if they were best friends when they were kids and then, like, ideologically... Oh, oh the, the rival. I'm talking about... Know. No, I'm briefly talking about the rival. Wouldn't it have been nice if they had been best, best friends when they were kids and that didn't change and that didn't get undermined and then as adults ideologically they fell apart and they, you know if we're gonna have a a more subtle non-disney villain um antagonist that yeah. would have interested me more than what we got in this which was a they kind of try and do the twist villain thing but in the establishing scene so that it isn't one it, it isn't one yeah yeah i didn't i didn't really like that i thought that it was nice watching them hit it off um yeah um and then 
I thought you had meant that what if what if Raya had been best friends with this cloud, <laughs> this evil cloud when they were children. That would have been too Moana, wouldn't it? When she makes friends with the sea, that's the trouble. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. Um, and then you've got another contender for a villain. Is you know you've got the 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 sort of the the mum queen in the uh, yeah. in that town, who was the closest thing to a Disney villain because she had the coolest costume, but. Yeah. Could have been more. <laughs> but she was just sort of an extension of... Look, what, what? Namari is the name of the rival yep. character. Thank oh, you. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so she was just a, a, a like kind of an extension of the Namari character. Yes. And it's... You know, so as a result, she doesn't like... She doesn't really stand out as no. her own villain like her own kind of like villainous character. No, exactly. When, like, when I was describing her, the first word that came out was mum, because that's what she is. Yeah. She's Namari's mum. Well, she looks yeah, like Namari's mum should look. Yes, exactly. And she really is only importantly there to be the explanation for why Namari is acting the way she is mm. and why she's, you know, doing not good things, basically. Yeah. Like, because she's a person motivated by obviously intense cultural and family pressure and that's interesting that is interesting um but but if there was any storyline in this film or any character journey in this film that did need more it was hers mm. like you know i almost feel like she could should have been like the secondary lead almost yeah, yeah. like this should have been like a kind of a parallel story yeah. of like you know the you know to borrow a phrase that ryan johnson used uh, when making the last jedi about like ray and kylo ren two halves of the same protagonist but you know one going in a good direction one going in a bad direction they should have done that mm. and like I have not seen any of the much acclaimed Netflix Shira show. Um, do they do some? They do something like that in that, right? I'm afraid I haven't seen enough of it to comment either. I've only seen the first few episodes, but um, right. Okay. But I also gather that they do something a bit like that. Yeah. Um, there certainly yeah. is. There certainly is a sort of bad guy side of things mirror character for Shira in that series. And yeah. they start off, certainly the bits that I was watching, they're enemies, and then by the end of the series, there's a lot of fan art of them. That's I'll say that much. And Yes. And the same is true in this case. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it does seem to me that this... Yes, they must be similar, mustn't they, to what we're thinking of there. Yes, I think so. And, you know, honestly, I think they could have gone further hmm. with that. And borrowed another leaf out of yeah. Shira's book yeah. in that regard because it felt like they went. I like. I'm not like I generally. I'm not a person who. I don't go out of my way to read sort of LGBT dynamics into into material like this. Yeah. Like you know, I I'll comment on if uh, if I think it's there and. You know, if I think it's just like, oh, the fans of the, the viewers of this are having fun with it, and that's cool, but I don't actually see it in the source material, then I, I'll stick to that view as well. Like, yeah. you know, say like, you know, I mean, we've talked about it a little bit before, like Elsa in Frozen, I was saying that um, 
we've come we've talked about Elsa in Frozen before as being like she would be a character who given the themes of the Fro of Frozen as a movie would be very compatible with being reimagined or like mm. taken forward as like you know like develop her as an LGBT character because frankly her whole story has so many parallels yeah. with that experience and has so many you know and that her story resonates with that community so much anyway that it kind of feels like a natural extension but that said i don't actually think there's anything in either frozen film where i would say oh yeah no it seems like they have already done that yeah or like you know yeah she definitely has this dynamic with this female character it's like no she she doesn't there is no character where i would say that about her um Raya and Namari, yeah. I definitely think there is like yeah. you know, there's a very you know, there's a very kind of close chemistry. Yeah. There's you know, like the way the way the two characters speak to each other and interact with each other, like the sort of the nature of the kind of like Absolutely. You know, the the emotional kind of closeness and then rivalry they later have. Yeah, um, I mean when they were when they when they're first introduced, it's as these two sort of a bit awkward, shy sort of nerdy yeah. girls in the same fandom and they just yeah. immediately hold hands and go and sit down together and spend the whole day together and it's yeah it's one uh, uh, basically i was sitting there going like how are they going to weasel out of this <laughs> yeah 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 and they and that perhaps is why i was disappointed by the immediate weaseling out of it that happened a scene later um but then after that it, it, it did sort of feel as if oh well no you can still do this and they sort of didn't even weasel out of it. They just didn't do it. <laughs> they just, yeah, exactly. They didn't do it, but they didn't, like, shoot it down. Yeah. So, um, and I don't know. I just... It, on, it's a difficult one. It would have... It would have... Would it have been... Yeah, look. It would have taken some rewriting, mm -hmm. but it would have been a stronger story if they'd just gone down that angle, yeah. I think. Um, Especially if you're going from... Two best friends, then they have a falling out, now they're enemies for like they're all their formative years of their lives, and then finally they come to understand each other. They're, why not go a step further than that in the end? Why not? I mean, yeah. it would have been lovely. <laughs> it would, like, that's it. Like, not only just from a kind of like, oh, you know, that's what Raya is then. That's, that's why she's a unique new Disney princess. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, there's that. That's immediately a, a, a point to making this movie. But it's also like it's just an in, it would just be an interesting um like leaving the gender side of it out of it mm. that's just an arc that we haven't seen for a disney princess before yeah. the enemies to romantic arc yeah we've not i don't think we've seen that in a disney film not that we? i can think of and and we you know so many times we and anyone else who discusses disney animated films have talked about like yeah do we do do we need a thing where the they fall in love and at the end there's a wedding or whatever and no we don't but what a wouldn't it be more interesting if that, if that started out as the protagonist and the villain, and yeah. genuinely by an actual organic process, ended up a couple at the end? I think that will be nice. It'll happen, and it'll be nice when it happens. Um, yeah. And this one set it all up, and then just didn't do it. And then you get um, Abby had to point this out to me, but in the uh, the sort of the end credits where you get illustrations, there's a, a group shot of all of them and they're all just, you know, a group doing poses and what have you.
but those two are locked eyes on each other. They're the only ones making eye contact. Yeah. And it and it just does feel as if somewhere in the art team there are people getting messages out that didn't make it into the film. <laughs> See, like, and I can't. I'm not going to say. I like you know. I'm not going to just say outright that I think they should have or intended yeah, to do oh, this. Yeah, yeah. They chickened out. Yeah. This is not. This is not a uh, like. Look, we've we've called Disney out previously for where we feel like they've tried to handle this ball and dropped it. Yes. This is this isn't that. This is just a road not taken. Yeah. But it would have made this film more interesting. It would have, yeah. It would have made it me would... feel more like there'd been a point. Yeah. Like it would have I think it would have actually strengthened the theme of the film itself. Yeah, like loads. just you know, this idea of like, you know, seeing past your differences and realizing that, you know, if you just learn to trust each other, you can have these you know, there's such a more positive relationship with the, your with the people around you. Yeah, and that like, would have, it would have even patched a problem that I had with the film, which was that it, it, I, I thought it was very messy on whether or not it was supporting that theme well enough. In that, like, yeah. all of the actual problems that happen is because Sisu trusts someone, and it turns out she shouldn't. But then the message is that you should, and it was just a little bit. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't disastrous or anything, but it was just like. I just felt a bit muddled. Um, and to have a... Especially coming after the prologue scene where all of the problems happened because Raya trusts... Mm. Bloody hell, I, I, liter I literally... I was going to say... Oh, before I start that sentence, I had to mentally correct myself to not call Raya Cora. <laughs> and then there, I was almost going to say Asami instead of Namari. <laughs> You guys need to disguise your influences better or yeah. I'm going to get confused. <laughs> like, yeah, but it ha the entire problem happens because Raya trusts Namari. <laughs> yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, it's... And, and again, that's a thing that models the theme. Because, like, ultimately, at the beginning, yeah... Right, okay, so Raya's, Raya and her dad's kingdom, I suppose there's a certain, there is a certain, like, power differential going on there, because they're holding this artifact and none of the other countries have it. And they all feel as though, um, they all feel as though, oh, that's unfair and that their countries aren't doing as well because they're hoarding this artifact. But, yeah. like, is there actually a suggestion in the film that that's true? <laughs> like, or not? There's a lot of... There's a few things like that where it's like... Is it? You know, like, are they, like, are they materially actually holding... Hoarding power? Well, we didn't see it, or, did we? We didn't see... Yeah. We didn't see what the power was they were supposed to be hoarding. We didn't see the effects that they were supposedly being given by this power and that the others didn't have that that same thing. So it wasn't like everyone yeah. else had a famine or whatever. Um, and also, like, she just led Namari in to have a look at it and there weren't any guards and it was fine. Yeah. It didn't really... No, it didn't, to me, seem as if they were... I mean, and, and I know that... I know that they were wrong. Like, those other people were wrong that to think that they were hoarding the power and that was the point. But, like, I think it even looked like they were... And yeah, I don't but, know. There was a few things like that. But the problem is, I think that totally unbalances the dynamic of the story because it's like, 
but then all of the other people are wrong. Yeah. And, and Raya and her kingdom are in the right. Well, I'm so pretty like, sure that is what it was, yeah. But, it's like, but that completely undermines the message of like, oh, everyone needs to learn to sort of like uh, yeah. trust each other. And it's like, yeah, that would work better if everyone shared culpability for the initial inciting incident. But it's yeah. like, no, it, it's all Namari and the Fang Kingdom. Yeah, no, we, we saw it. What happened was that everyone else, everyone, he was good, the king was good and lovely, and then everybody else came in and started stabbing everybody and trying to steal the thing and breaking everything. Because and then they, they broke it. And they broke it. And it was because they were bad and they were double crosses. And you have Namari do her thing where she does her double cross and then goes like, as guards come out behind her with spears to attack everybody. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, no, everyone else is horrible. And yeah. now, 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 mind you, that is fine if what it informs is why uh, Raya doesn't trust anyone. That's fine. That great yeah. reason not to trust anyone. It, the problem is that the message of the film is that she's wrong and that you should trust people. And like yeah. the dragon keeps the dragon, the innocent character keeps going like, I'm going to trust people. And every time she does, she lives to regret it. They shouldn't have done that because the, the person double crosses her or does something nasty or whatever. And then you, the, you get to the end and Something even, like, just as confusing, if not slightly more confusing to me, than I raised my confusion in Frozen, where it's like, what did she do to solve it? Where she went love, and everything happened, and it was all good. There was a similar level of confusion at the end of this film, where they're all like, oh, well, because of a flashback with the dragons giving a thing to Sisu, that means I have to give the thing to this other person, even though it's a not quite the same situation. And then yeah. and then we all need to just sadly... St- I mean, I, I... You know, I'm trying not to do the spoiler, but the fact that they all got together and sadly... And, and I was going, why are you needing to do that? What's that got to do with it? I know, yeah, like, we must... We, we'll, we'll hand this thing over and then we will accept the grim consequence of handing this thing yeah. over. Yeah. Do you have to? Could you not just all stand Could together you just and like stayed where you were? Yeah, and like put your hands in the middle, like the Power Rangers or whatever. Yeah, do they do that. Do they do that? Do the Power Rangers do that? Uh, yeah, let's say yeah. Like I know. <laughs> what, y- y- yes, enough. Yes, that you're right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I was trying to make a reference there that I realized halfway through. I don't fully understand, but it's fine. Um, but yeah, like. Yeah, it's just, it's all a bit muddled, and it's like, it's, you know, I don't think it, it fundamentally addresses ever that key point of, like, yeah, but, like, it's all well and good saying, like, oh, we all need to learn to trust each other, but that's, like, that's, like, if I come to, like, we if you and I have a fight, like, have a feud between us, because I came to your house, and I just stole a hundred quid out of your house... <laughs> And then, like, I come to you and I'm like, oh, well, we all need to, you know, learn to put that behind us, though. You know, how can we ever mend up, mend the bridge? Yeah. We don't learn to trust each other. It's like, yeah, but, like, someone does actually have the moral high ground here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like the point that, um, this is a point that Lindsay Ellis made in her video essay about Pocahontas. Because they make, in that film, the... This parallel between, you know, with the song Savages, mm. that like, oh, look, you know, 
both sides have completely dehumanized each other and they're seeing each other as monsters as in, instead of being people. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, true, that is the outlook that fosters future conflict and makes conflict irreconcilable. But one side is absolutely the aggressor here. <laughs> yeah. And, like, that is not a correct equivalent. Yeah. It's worse in the case of Pocahontas because that's actual history. <laughs> yeah. Where, um, yeah. They are slightly overly tidily scrubbing over. Yeah. There. As the the victors of that conquest make the film. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That is what. Like, I think the word problematic gets bandied around a bit too much <laughs> these days, but that is problematic AF. Yeah. Um, like. That, yeah, bloody hell. Phew. Uh, but yeah, so it's in, not that. It's not that level. It's not that. It's not that. But like, um, but here it's just yeah, it's just a bit muddy, isn't it? It's not quite clear enough. It's not, and that's the key theme of the film. Yeah. So it's like, you know, they've not told the story as clearly as they could. Mm. The characters aren't as clear as they they mm. could be. And the moral and the themes aren't as clear as they could and be. And the script's like, a little bit more annoying than it needed to be. <laughs> yeah. And, and the visuals are like good, but not as good as they normally should be. So yeah. it's like it, across the board, it's only really 75% of the way to where you really want it to be. And look, 75% of the way by Disney's recent standards is enough to get you to a good film that we yeah. both came away from feeling like you know what? That's pretty good. That's okay. That yeah, but it's step down. It's mm. undeniably a step down. Mm. I can't, think, with the exception of like the the better treatment of like the gender ratio of the cast. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I can't think of a dimension where it's not a step down from what we're used to. Yeah, and you know, it's a bit of a shame. It's yeah. a bit of a shame, and especially given that this is a premium film. This is people yes. paid. For yeah, this. that's it. Uh, like, and Jeff mentioned this hours ago, and I'm, I know I've been wondering when we would get round to it. Jeff will be yeah, gone by he, now, but he will be. But hopefully, he watches this. But yeah, it's the Asian lady premium. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Which is... it is weird. It's not like there's anything <laughs> inherently problematic about that, but it's just it's just kind of messed up in it that that the two. The two Asian lady films have been the ones that they've charged extra for and that have been, you know, kind of disappointing compared to some of the other things that they're putting out at the same time for free. Uh, look, that is literally just a coincidence, I think. Yeah, it's it just... definitely, yeah. It's just, if, if there's anything not coincidence about it, it's purely an artifact of them aiming in a new direction of coverage that they haven't tried before. And I think Soul would have been that too mm -hmm. if it had been Christmas. And mm. I think I think they just gambled on it's Christmas. Let's put Soul out for free, and then maybe we can get a whole load of new subscriptions for people. Yeah, like, right. Over right. Christmas, I, mean, yeah. I, I reckon they just played the numbers like that. Um, but it's just like part. Look, honestly, part of it speaks to some of the aspect to which it was a real bummer from a kind of a cultural like representation point of view that 2020 was the year that got screwed by a pandemic because 2020 was a year where a load of the studios had planned big tentpole movies around like you know 
not white guy heroes. Mm, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. You know, that was meant to be the year where, you know, yeah, like your Captain Americas and your Batmans and so forth, they're taking a break this year. This is the year of Harley Quinn, Mulan, uh, Wonder Woman again, like uh, Soul, um, Ryan the Last Dragon. Like, this is the year where we're really kind of going to give all of these other demographics their time in the sun, where we're not, they're not going to be competing with like the established kind of like, you know, big hero man characters. Like, they're going to have 2020 all to themselves. Isn't that going to be great? Like, they'll, this will be the year that like, you know, other demographics rule the box office. That didn't really work out, did it? Mm. And like, and yeah, now they're all paywalled on Disney Plus. Or this is one of the I I I, I know that I know that realistically they couldn't have done this, but this is why it's such a shame to me that they didn't just go. We'll just coast on our incredible amounts of existing earnings for a year or two, and then. When the cinema's back, we'll just pretend it's 2020 and we'll release all those films to yeah, the exact exactly. level of fanfare they would have been. You know? Yeah. And I know. instead, we had to have this kind of cut price version of everything. Like, I know. And I include, you know, it, there's barely any rep in it, but I include Bill and Ted 3 in that. That should have been an event mm. in my life. And it, it, it yeah, wasn't. Exactly. Yeah, I've, I've still not watched it, even. Like, I, you know, and I want to, mm. but it was just. It should have been a moment, yeah. you know, and it, yeah. it just wasn't one. Like, you know, like on that level, on that level, like I'm for that reason, I'm glad. I'm glad they kept Black Widow back at least. Yeah, you know, so there's at least that one out of what should have been kind of a a big banner year for other people in films. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. and Black Widow herself has been in in lots of films with a big banner. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if I can continue after that, but <laughs> move on like you didn't say that, all right? I mean, honestly, there's not that much left to go on. No, there isn't really. I've got some wine, and I'm going to drink that And uh, as we wrap up the last sort of... Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> High roller. Yes, some wine. <laughs> that's, what, well, that's what people have. You don't have to be a high roller to have some wine. I guess. But it Fine. but it did cost seven pounds. <laughs> wow. Seven wait, did it? Probably about like that, yeah. This is how some people live, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> right. So do you have any do you have any final thoughts on this then? So my, my final thoughts are that like I feel a bit bad that all the things I've said have been negatives. Uh, it was just one of those films where, and I have, <laughs> regular listeners will know, I have a few films like this, where it just got me in a bit of a grouchy mood early on. And as a result of that, I ended up quite critical of it. Um, certainly after that first 40 minutes, we were right to pause around there and then go away and come back. Because, yes, everything after that was much more enjoyable. Um, yeah. But... I couldn't help but notice little things I didn't like about it, many of which I'm very prepared to simply write off as uh, artifacts of the working-at-home situation and the general stress and fuss that would have been involved in it being their first production done that way. Um, so, yeah, I wasn't really into the animation, really. I didn't think it was that good. The, uh, but, I mean, I'm talking about the facial animation in particular. Like, all the, 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 you know, the choreographed fights, for example... They, yeah, they, oh, they, were look, they look great. Yeah, yeah. I loved um, her. I really liked her grappling sword. 
Oh, her Ivy from Soul Calibur sword. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I, that's what I immediately clocked that as. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you reminded me of that because I'm like, ah, oh, when was? I don't think I've, I've never seen an Ivy from Soul Calibur sword in a film before, and I like it. I yeah, want to see more. Really of this. cool. Yeah, it was a well. Oh. Someone, uh, someone I saw point out that like probably the reason for it is because you have characters here who are going to do martial arts at each other quite extensively, but are in a yeah. Disney film. So they need their weapons to not just be like killy weapons. And yeah, so yeah, you yeah. get this gimmick sword where, yeah, it's a sword, yeah. but you can shoot it out and whip it on things and hang on to stuff with it and stuff. Exactly. And, you know, as, as you know, as, you know, Turtles fans from back in the day, <laughs> we all know that the best way to, you know, get away with your characters having a weapon is to just to gradually replace it with a grappling hook. Yeah, yeah. So that's what happened in this. And uh, it's it done very much to my satisfaction. Very much so. Um, yeah, you know, like... I'm oh, the same. we've I... not once mentioned the little roly-poly fella, who I liked. I thought that was good. He was... He was fine. Yep. He was fine. He was... I liked him. Yeah, I, I, I too liked him. You know, it gave them an opportunity to get Alan Tudyk back into it, even though... Oh, was that him again? Yes, even I... though this is not... Not a film for the likes of him. <laughs> no, I, I, I confess I don't remember it so much as making a noise. So, well, well done, Alan. Um, that's one of those well details done. that was done well enough I didn't notice it. <laughs> yep. Well done, Alan, for your presumably two hours' work of making small grunting noises. Yes, little squirmy sounds. Um, yeah, she had a she had a what do you call it? Uh, Roly uppy beetle fella, and uh, uh, but sort of looking um, not a beetle. What are they called? Like a pill bug, but like a mammal. Yeah. A woodlouse. Yeah. Was it supposed to be an armadillo? Was that what it was? Because it had yeah. a kind of mammalian sort of a face. Wait, uh, armadillo's yeah. mammalian? Well, you know what I mean. Like an animal head. Yeah. In a, in a woodlouse body. Well, anyway, and it was yeah. little and cute. And then after the flashback, it's a vehicle. It's a giant rolling thing with yeah. a it's complicated... Somehow she's managed to put a saddle on it without it just going round and round. That was really cool. Yeah. I thought it was really good. Um, yeah, didn't do much. They didn't do much with him, and I could tell they weren't oh. gonna. And I was like, at the end of this film, I'm gonna be like, ah, oh, they didn't do anything with it, and they didn't really. Yeah, it was a bit. He was just a bit lost in the shuffle because yeah. there were too many sidekicks. Ultimately, too many sidekicks, too many kingdoms to visit. Yeah. Oh, and in each of those kingdoms, a magic gem that gives the dragon a new bit of power, and it was like Metroid. This dragon was powering up with each different <laughs> gem bit. She kept getting new powers. She got a glowy power. She already had a swimming power. She had make it rain power. She had other, uh, some other power. I can't oh, remember now. Power. And you're going, what's, what's the thing that's going to happen that needs all of these powers? What's the big thing she's going to do with all the powers when she's got the last one? Nothing. Ne it Literally. never happens. Not even, yeah. not even a disappointing thing. It doesn't yeah. happen. She, the, yeah. the powers that she collects are not used, and they're for nothing. Well, bewildering decision. Yeah, some of them are used <laughs> there and then. The glowing one isn't really. That's not really used for anything. That's the first one she gets, and you get yeah. this thing about how like this is from this dragon and this is from that dragon, and she's getting the powers of her family. Yeah. It just really seemed to be leading up to something, and it didn't. Literally, just didn't. Just didn't. Literally to nothing. That was weird. Uh, very weird. A sort of um, tangentially related point, I suppose. Like, one thing that kept occurring to me when we've got this entire setting, and, you know, we're going back a little bit to the issue of the setting, where it's like, okay, so it's all, 
you know, the, the map, you know, the, the big river area looks like a dragon and all of the kingdoms are named after, you know, like Fang, Heart, yeah, Ayn or whatever, um, based on where they're located on this. Why not Xenoblade Chronicles it and have the world be literally shaped like a big dragon? Mm. And they're, they're, you know, they live on the back of either something that is genuinely the stone body of like a colossal dragon like in Xenoblade Chronicles or just something you know like because you, you know it can't it can't be that because then it would have to wake up at the end and kill them all yeah uh, but all at least just a landmass that looks like well that. it was well no they sort of did because there was there was like a lake there was like a river going through that that was about that shape wasn't there that you saw on the map yeah but like i mean like like i say like a big sort of a tight you know like a three-dimensional mm, landmass. i agree with that yeah like, that you know you can pull back from and like see this entire continent-sized dragon that they all live on. Um. Hmm. Oh, hi, listeners. Uh, editor Dave here. That's all quite interesting, isn't it? Um. If you don't know why, I'll tell you, but not yet because it's a spoiler for something else that we're going to talk about on another episode. But um. Yeah. If you do know, then that's <laughs> interesting, isn't it? Um, it, it's. I'm almost tempted to say that we are not the only ones who had that specific set of thoughts. Right. Well, stay tuned. Anyway. Yeah. Wouldn't it's, that it, have been good? Yeah. It, it's another one of the things. It, it, there's lots of things in this film that felt so. They felt a step away from being a finished idea. But no, no, that's wrong. They felt like they'd been taken a step back from when they were a finished idea. This idea that they're all no. the yeah. Yeah, Fang and Spy and whatever the rest were, yeah. kind of isn't really very much in in the end when it could have been something really cool. Yeah, it doesn't spoil it. It's just could have been really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the thing about this film. Like we say, though, it it could have been really cool. Mm. But I, like I said at the start, I still struggle to see what the truly great version of this was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. At best, it still probably would have been like, oh, that was a dead solid action adventure thing that makes me want to go and watch Avatar. Mm. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I don't know. My, what I said online and I've kind of alluded to here a little bit is that I wonder if the comparison that I made to like Atlantis, the Lost Empire and Treasure Planet is more than skin deep here. Mm -hmm. I wonder if this is literally like we're just in the latter part of the second Disney renaissance mm. at the moment. And this is, you know, the kind of film that they'll be making, the kind of standard of film that we'll see for from them for, for the next little while mm -hmm. until they get the next, either until they sink into ruin again or until, you know, they get the net, you know, the, their third wind or whatever. And yeah. like, you know, they get their next, like, turbocharge blast of, like, fresh blood in there, or fresh creativity, or just a spark from somewhere that really drives them to be like, yeah, brilliant, go, 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 we've just got great idea after great idea. But, you know, the last few haven't been amazing, is the thing. Like, mm -hmm. you know, certainly by the standards of what we'd had previously, like, yeah. you know, Ralph breaks the internet is fine. It's okay. It's pretty good. Um, 
Frozen 2 is fine, pretty good. And this is fine, mm. pretty good. You know, it's... And that's three in a row now. After that miracle year they had where they released Zootopia and Moana in the same year. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. And, like... Yeah, okay, look, maybe you aren't going to hit that height again immediately. Hmm. But, I don't know, though. I just, I, I can't help but flash back to that feeling of, like, hmm. where we had a uh, Little Mermaid, uh, uh, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King, and then Pocahontas comes out and it's like, oh, okay, this one's not quite as good, but, you know, they can't all be, they can't hmm. all just be winner after winner, you know, like iteratively bigger and bigger like historic events in animation history they'll be back on the horse soon won't they yeah. you know and then you know it kind of we had to go through five to ten years of slightly gradually diminishing returns until we kind of realized yeah no uh the next lion king is not just around the corner is it <laughs> like something actually needs to change there before that happens now it is way premature for me to declare that this is true, you know. Like, yeah, this this isn't home on the range. God no, we're not no. at that point. <laughs> no, this is not home on the range. But what? A, but it might be Tarzan, you know. <laughs> it, you know, it might like Ralph breaks the internet might have been Hercules, <laughs> like and like I say, this, this might be Treasure Planet. Now I don't know. In which case. With you a you know a home on the range level event. If uh, this was if this was the treasure planet of this go round, then I'd really like it, and I'd be like, why doesn't anyone else like this? <laughs> see, you and I are always backwards on which the which the meh uh, Musker and Clements film is, because you say it's Hercules, and I say it's Treasure Planet. Mm -hmm, yeah, I, I like a lot about Treasure Planet, but I don't have really much fondness for it. Like anything, anything that like I feel like, oh, that was good about Treasure Planet. I'm like, yeah, but it's better in Atlantis. Oh yeah, you know? yeah. But uh, we, we had that. Had we had that yet? I can't remember. Treasure Planet was after Atlantis, wasn't it, or was it the one before? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Treasure yeah. Planet was after Atlantis. Yeah, I suppose you're right there. Yeah. So I don't. I wonder why. I just liked it. I guess. I guess I just wasn't yeah. holding it up to that standard. Yeah, but like to me, those two films are like so. Uh, similar objective wise, yeah. but Atlantis is just better. Yeah. Um, um, so that's, that's definitely why I, true. I can't. I just don't. You know, Treasure Planet's just kind of it's just water in my hands a little bit. Mm. Just straight out, I can't can't get any grip on that one. Yeah. But like, um, do you know what I mean though? When I feel when I say I feel like there's a non-zero chance we're drifting into a phase like that with Disney. Yeah, because. We've been going around saying that we're in a, a, a second Disney renaissance, and now we yeah. can't really justify that anymore. Um, though, with that said, though, like those three films that I've just said are so much better than anything that they've made during their genuine fallow period. Uh, the, the, the recent ones, or your Treasure Planet? And... No, the, th the, the three that we've just seen, you, you know... Um, yeah. Wreck-It Ralph 2, Frozen 2, and this. Like, yeah, that's... So that's... That's true. But I can't get away from the fact that two of those are sequels. And that yeah. that 
is not in itself necessarily a good thing for Disney to no. be doing. Um, it, it certainly reduces their... It makes them less significant to me. Like, basically, I'm... I thought they were both fine. Well, actually, I was—I didn't like Wreck It Ralph too, but it was—but it was fine. And I yeah, quite exactly. liked Frozen too, but it was only fine. And yeah. but in both cases, you know, all three of these films are different flavors of fine. Mm. You'll, you'll like it or you don't, but they're fine. But in both cases, I was waiting for the next real film to come out, and this is it. And uh, yeah. yeah it hasn't lived up to that weight um but then yeah. how but how could it um it does, yeah, honestly i'm just sort of wondering why disney and pixar needed to make sequels for so long when that is the it strikes me the sort of thing you do when you're in the doldrums and they weren't i don't know it's like it was a weird decision for them to do that mm. and i don't know whether they'll carry on doing it i don't that, do they have any like sequels lined up what what do they actually mm. have because the next one know. is Encanto, isn't it dublin manuel miranda one about the magic house or whatever oh i still know nothing about that yeah yeah like look i i'm one? that's the next one yeah and i'm putting a lot i'm putting a lot on that one because mm. it's you know it's byron howard who directed tangled and zootopia like Come on, you mm. can't let me down, man. Like, if you if you, if this is Byron Howard's treasure planet, yeah. then we're in then we're in trouble. Is <laughs> is what I'm saying. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, but you know what it means. If this if if we can map it that closely, if this film yeah. is that film and that film is this film, then then we're heading towards the end of 3D CG animation. Something else is going to come along. VR? <laughs> yes, VR. It'll happen anytime soon. Stop saying these things that make me want to just stop the whole <laughs> podcast. How, how else am I going to get you out of my house? <laughs> yeah. We're in the silly I, end of tonight's series, Disney. We always end up in, in, in a little silly pile <laughs> by the end. Yeah, the, the, the serious facade always breaks, doesn't it? <laughs> Ultimately. Yeah. But look, I'm. I think I've said all I can say on this one. Mm -hmm. It's it's okay. I do. You know, I absolutely applaud them for mm -hmm. getting it done at all. And yep. and and it is all right. But I want better than all right from Disney at the moment uh, because they've they're on a bit of a they're on a little bit of a run now of all right films, and I need them to knock one out the park to show that we're still in the second renaissance mm. rather than ending it and yeah I don't i don't want to be ending it you know and i can't help but compare this to soul which i thought was much better um yeah and that yeah. was also made at least significantly in lockdown at home um yeah <laughs> Maybe we'll just trust that this one was made in more lockdown than the other one, or something, and that uh, that maybe that accounts for it. But because uh... yeah, like you know, obviously, I want I want Disney and Pixar to both be in like yes, like top creative form. Absolutely, and and oh, as right. ever, as ever, we both have incredible respect for the individual artists who work on all of these things. They're all great, but um... yeah. 
I don't know. There's a bit. There's a bit of drift at, mm. at Disney a little bit. Like you know, not massively. When, like I said, I need to reiterate, mm. this is not Fox and the Hound. No. You know, no. This is not the Black Cauldron. This no. is not Chicken Little. No. But I just don't don't make us end up back there. And there's no, there is no reason right now for any of us to panic about the idea that we're going to end up back there. <laughs> but let's have a real home run soon. Yeah. This wasn't it, but it's still all right. I can't, that, yeah. I, honestly, not to drag things down, I, I try and avoid talking about this, but like, I can't help but think that post-vaccine, I do think that animation and, and, and a few other things are going to have a little golden age as everyone excitedly makes their best stuff again. You know, yeah, in the environments that they're accustomed to with a sense of the funding having come back sort of thing. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, yeah. I think we are going to get some really good work out of that era, but we're, we're just I for now. So. For now, we're going to have to... It felt a little bit writer's strikey, this film, I must admit. A little bit. A little bit. And it wasn't made under a writer's strike, which no. is a bit... <laughs> troubling but 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 you know like we'll see we'll see but it's all right go and watch it um, go and watch it or wait Don't... wait a few months maybe and wait till june mm. unless you really want to unless you're like desperate to see it yeah right now because you want to like listen to this podcast say <laughs> in, in which case in which case you, you really missed the boat <laughs> yeah they will not have got to this stage of the boat where we're saying goodbye yeah, you've you've really done this backwards, but if you know honestly, anyone, if you know a person who isn't you, but who wants to listen to this episode of Serious Disney, but doesn't want spoil, I, do you know what? I feel as if they can cope with this con- concept themselves. I bet they will already be thinking of watching the film. Yeah, yeah, like it's not. It is not a waste of money, no. but it's not. It's not worth that much money no. when it when it's going to be available on your subscription plan exactly. in June. You can, this can wait till June. Like, if, if, if you'd had to pay for Soul, I would have said pay for it. Mm. Like, yeah. I would have. Yeah, pay for Soul, oh. wait for this, don't watch Mulan even for free. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Like, even if, you sub, even if you unsubscribe from Disney+, Plus, so you're not even paying the covering charge for that, yeah. and they drive... Mm. They drive a cinema, like a big cinema yeah. screen, up against your window, and Mulan is playing through it. Yeah, close the blinds. Yeah, basically. Uh, so that's the that's the ranking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. So it's what what else can we say? But it was fine. All right. Okay. <laughs> yep. On that, on that unprepossessing note, should we say goodbye to the, yes. to the nice people, assuming there are any nice people still? There'll present. be some nice people somewhere, either in the, if, if not in the present. Apparently there's like nine people still watching, but certainly in the future. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah. That's it. Like, look, if you're hearing this, yeah. then you're a nice person who's listening to us. So That's all that's... it takes. It's a lot yes. like how all you have to do is accept Jesus into your heart. All you have to do <laughs> is get this far in the podcast, and you're a good person, and you're going exactly. to heaven. So that's nice. We've arranged that. We've got a little. Uh, <laughs> we've got if you uh, if you go to uh, heaven.com forward slash serious business, you will get five percent off your first month in heaven. If you, if you go to patreon.com, 
Disney. Oh, if you go to patreon.com forward slash serious Disney and you pledge some money in there, you just go to heaven. You don't, not even, you yeah. don't have to wait. They teleport you straight there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the spot. Top tier, mm. you get, you become my god. Hmm. Yeah. I feel like we're dialing up the level of uh, <laughs> pledges that we're offering because yeah. I thought previously we were offering people like ministerial roles. Ministerial roles after we take over the earth. Um, but then, yeah, no, we've we've added a few more tiers to the to the collection <laughs> now. So now we've got you can go and live in heaven, and that doesn't yeah. benefit us. Well, I mean, we get your money. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You go and live in heaven, and no catch, as far as I'm aware. I mean, look, I haven't been there, so I don't know. It might be horrible. I don't know. I'm guessing it's probably all right. Yeah I've, yeah, I've heard yeah. by all accounts. Um, yeah. It's definitionally quite nice. And then, yeah, uh, yeah then if you if you uh, donate to our top tier, you get to ascend and dethrone God himself <laughs> and uh, and become a god. Yeah, you become like Jafar at the end of um, Aladdin. Hmm. I I feel maybe bigger than that. I mean, he was, he was pretty big. He was pretty big, but he was... Uh, Remember that bit where he's pushing up against the ceiling? That's oh, uh, he was quite big, actually, yeah. <laughs> okay, he was quite big, and he was doing a twirly-whirly with his hands and everything, but yes. he wasn't a god. He was below a god. He was like just a sorcerer, then a genie. Yeah. A god is above a genie, right? Gotta be. So what, you, what you're saying is his third wish should have been, I wish to become a top-tier patron for serious business. Yes. Yeah. And then there would have been no catch to that. Yeah. Like he wouldn't have been trapped in a lamp. Yeah. He wouldn't have you know, he wouldn't have been he wouldn't have to have returned. No. Because, no, because you know, he would be omnipotent and omnipresent anyway. So there's nothing yeah. nothing and nowhere to return to. Yeah. Or from. Or from. Yeah. So if if you want that. Do you remember the then... bit in Ghostbusters where <laughs> where the monster goes Are you a top tier Patreon for serious business? <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah. yeah, I do. I remember that bit from Ghostbusters, yeah. From Ghostbusters. Oh, was that the whole statement? No, that was it. Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> I'm now I mean now I'm trying to think of other times anyone said the word God, and weirdly I can't think of any. Um Do you remember in church? <laughs> when... I was going I was going to his dark materials, but I don't really have enough yeah. of a textual level grasp of that yeah. to be able to quote any relevant thing from it. Top uh, tier Patreon supporters of the podcast Serious Disney, who art in heaven hallow be thy name. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, before we incite any divine retribution against us that we, <laughs> what we do honestly deserve uh, we probably we should probably bring this well we haven't no come on we haven't deposed god we're just encouraging somebody else to do it and for us to profit off that <laughs> yeah he's, he, and is that one of the commandments I don't exactly think. is that one of the commandments it's not is it he forgot to put the one he forgot to put that he forgot to put anything yeah. about torrenting <laughs> if god didn't want us to do these things he'd have included it in his very very thoroughly codified list of rules of things that we're not allowed to do exactly so so, that's, yeah. that's going to be our defense uh, before, in a the, way, uh, before the Almighty. Before the Heavenly Tribunal, yeah. In a way, our hands were tied. <laughs> it's his fault as much as it is ours. Yeah. 
you know, ultimately, we all, we just need to trust each other, don't we? I think you've found the, 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 the argument against going to hell at any point. I think, like, you can be like, ah, oh, well, now if you think about it, <laughs> anything I did on, on Earth, in my time on Earth, yeah. really, it's a, as much the, uh, the heavenly creator's fault, isn't it, oh, when you think about it? When you think about it. Like, look, if we'd all it. learn to trust each other and, you know, like, yes. who's... Who's to say who was really at fault yeah. for that? You know, like, let's not point fingers. Yeah. Right. It's like, let's all just admit that we were all equally at fault and move on yeah. with our life. We could, say, we could say to God, you were equally to blame. Do what you want to me, but you were equally to blame for the time when I pointed my dethroned God crossbow at God and fired it <laughs> yeah. as part of my evil plan. That was as much your fault as mine, you could say. When you say crossbow, do you mean people subscribing to our Patreon? Yeah, what did I say? Crossbow? Weird, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, thank you for listening to what was up until half an hour ago an episode of Serious Distance. <laughs> yeah, at that point, uh, we decided to reimagine our characters as being weirdly sassy. <laughs> I have been, uh, and hopefully still am, uh, Jahan Ranasing. You can find me uh, on Twitter or at, at MouseTalica. Um, and nowhere else. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're in your house. Yeah, but I don't want people to find me there. No, but they can. Physically, it would I, work. I don't wish to encourage people to find no. me in home you can find me on twitter oh so you mean like you may find you may find me you're permitted to find me on twitter at mouse you are not permitted to find me at my home address well which is i almost i almost uh and i'm dave bulmer and you can find me um on twitch uh no twitter oh also twitch i'm demon tomato dave everywhere on this youtube channel and on twitch and on twitter and also, I've got another podcast. This is a podcast, by the way. It's called Serious Disney, and you can find it on Twitter, at Serious Disney. Um, and if you just look for that name, Serious Disney, then you'll find our podcast um, on various pod listening to places where we discuss things like this in this sort of manner. But... Uh, hmm? Sorry? Hmm? Absolutely, we do, yes. We do, and you can find us specifically at seriousdisney.wigglehe.com. Um, and I've got another podcast which I do with Chris McFeely off of Transformers The Basics that is called Sonic The Comic the podcast where we discuss the old British Sonic comics that used to be out in the years 1993 to 1990 something later than that we're currently on 1995 and we are trying to sort of you know, recreate for you as best we can the general sense of having been there and what it was like to be that age at that time so yes we do talk about Sonic quite a lot particularly the comic but if you aren't interested in that we talk about Woolworths and biscuits and sweets almost as much, yeah. and uh, it's a sort of just generally, generally being in that time and place, in that brief window of time where Sega were good. When Sega were good, Jahan uh, <laughs> listens to it and and doesn't care at all about the subject matter of the podcast. Is that, that, that right? I mean, like reasonable. To say? I'm peripherally interested in the co like. I know Sonic well enough, and I know, but I was definitely alive during that era. Have good memories of it all, and. The podcast is a excellent listen, even if you haven't read the comic, which I haven't and still haven't. Mm. Um, so yeah, very much recommended. So subscribe or follow any of those or any of us. Yeah. But 
you'll hear from us again next time a thing happens. Yeah. That, that, uh, re- that where Disney require us to take some kind of action. Um, <laughs> until then, I suppose, um, good night and go away. Go away. Go away. Go away. The inherent flaw with streaming is that you have to try and wave and say goodbye and then you have to look away and fiddle about. With go the away, everyone. Bye. Bye. Go away. You can contact us, if you like, seriousdisness at gmail.com or at seriousdisness on Twitter. And if you like the podcast and you want it to continue without just sort of fizzling away as many podcasts do, then the best way to do that is to go over onto Apple Podcasts and give us a good review and five stars, because then the algorithms deliver us to new listeners. And if you're looking for something else to listen to now, uh, go and check out Sonic the Comic the Podcast. That's another thing I do. Okay, thanks. Bye.